I think that this poll brings a murky problem in a specific relief. Whose problem are we talking about, Lewis? Yours? You worried about losing your job? Because this poll isn't talking about my presidency. This poll is talking about my life. 264 million 264 million people don't give a damn about your life. They give a damn about their own. Mr. President, you raised a daughter almost entirely on your own. And she's terrific. So what does it say to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of this country has begun to question your family values? The president doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, A.J. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country, it is not only permissible to question our leaders, it's our responsibility. But you already know that, don't you, Mr. President? Because you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to... They don't they have want... a choice. Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President. And in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage. And when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Lewis, we have had presidents who were beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. I knew I'd find a way to use that movie eventually. Because I can't, I can't use that, you know, and I am the president's speech. Because it's like nine minutes long and it's tedious. Sorry, Aaron. Let me get there. Why, uh, hello, it is seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of September in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk her. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy and amusement for children of all ages. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? You want to weigh in? You want to contribute? Uh, you want to help to clarify, perhaps to obfuscate with your comments, questions, uh, observations, ruminations, uh, kvetches, kvetches, whatever you might have. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and significantly less hungover than he was yesterday morning. Pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, tedious, the mundane. I don't know if you'd love to call it and brag about how you can feel, dress a moose, you know, whatever. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Bodyguard Double Feature DVD featuring The Bodyguard and The Bodyguard 2, starring Tony Ja. On DVD. There's the bodyguard too. Yes, and we're giving it away, Sarah. There is a god. The body, the bodyguard and the bodyguard two, starring Tony Jaw on DVD in stores now separately or as a double feature from Magnolia Home Entertainment. Uh, so that is today to one random on-air caller a copy of the bodyguard double feature, ladies and gents, boys and girls, friends, Romans, neighbors, and countrymen. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Here's what's coming up uh, today. We're going to be giving away a pair of Dennis Miller tickets today. Uh, he's going to be at Spirit Mountain Casino live. Next 
Friday and Saturday, which is the 12th and 13th. Uh, we will be giving away uh, multiple pairs of those. Our first pair goes today in the reverse punchline contest. Uh, so if you heard this yesterday, the punchline is Islamabad. You should know I almost went with Saskatoon, because that's a pretty funny place, too. Uh, but I, I don't think Sarah was here for this story, but when I went to see Weird Al, you know, you got to drive through Wilson. I mean, it's like a billion miles away. I mean, it's in Salem. You know, I guess maybe it's some sort of a thing to isolate the rubes from the rest of us. But it, but you got to drive all the way out to Salem, to the, to the Oregon State Fair. And so on the way to Salem, there is, for reasons that are never really clarified, this huge sign on the side of the road, like right at around exit 286 or so, and it just says in big letters, Llamas, Llamas, Llamas. Like, I don't know why. It doesn't say that, like, Llamas here or, like, come see the, come pet the llama. It just says in big letters... By Wilsonville, llamas, llamas, llamas. It's a llama extravaganza. It's more llamas than you, it's really more llamas than ought to be allowed by law. So anyway, so that's so that's where Islamabad came from. So uh, today's punchline is Islamabad. We will take your jokes leading up to that punchline today. Of course, they must be clean for air and free of objectionable material. Uh, that's uh, today, 503-733-2970. We've also got some of the email we'll be reading. End of the day. Uh, the best original joke, joke of your own creation, leading up to that punchline, wins a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller at Spirit Mountain Casino. Uh, what else coming up today? CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins from... They're really in St. Paul, but they say it's Minneapolis, right? Correct. Most folks call them green onions, but they're really scallions. Uh, that's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins at the Republican National Convention. Steve Kastenbaum in New York City talking about uh, that nutcase uh, Detroit mayor, who I guess is... I don't even know. He's he's either out on bail or he's back in jail or he's out on he's on the lam or he's back in the he's doing something rather. Uh, so we'll talk about that guy. Uh, what else coming up today? Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. We'll talk to to uh, Oregonian TV critic now on sabbatical Peter Carlin about a Mad Men, b last night's season premiere of The Shield, which was badass. Uh, we'll get to that. Let's see what else. Geek Watch coming up today. Britney Watch coming up today. Penis Watch today. Um, and I'm going to move the top five up because I'm sick of not getting to it. So today we're going to get to the top five at the beginning of the 2 o'clock hour because I'm tired of having to You're bump crazy. it. It's just because now that we all about how great we are. You said it was a very glorious top five, too, right? It's, it's great. And, uh, you know, we would have gotten to it last Friday had it not been for those meddling kids and for that Stevie Wonder top five that we wanted to do, which was great. You weren't here for that either. The Stevie Wonder top five we did on Friday. I heard it, though, yesterday in the recap. Man, it was crazy, though, because... I mean, I I put it together in the morning with the help of Lisa Wood, and then Chris Paddock wanted to weigh in, and then Susan Reynolds just appeared at the studio about halfway through the show going, what's this? You're doing a, what, what, what? You're doing a Stevie Wonder top five, and you didn't consult me. So then so she inserted herself, and then we're getting, we're, then we're on the second song, and Fatboy appears at the window, and he comes into the studio. Uh, and then Adam was weighing in on it. Then somebody else came out. It was a top. It really got more reaction from within the building than anything we've ever done. So this one got bumped. Uh, but lately, the last few weeks, we've been very productive on the show, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, we've really been uh, getting things done at a pretty rapid and, uh, and it, it, I would say, efficient clip. So, but the top five is kind of, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been the thing that's been left out. It's the and the rest. Uh, so we're going to move that up today and perhaps in the future so we can uh, get to that. Today, top five B-sides better than the A-side. We'll get to that today. Uh, what else? A whole bunch of uh, mail to get to. Uh, we'll talk about Richie Bristol's... Uh, weekend, he can sort of now discuss it because I think he's out of the hangover zone that he was. He was the man. He was deep in a dark black tunnel through all of yesterday, uh, and you really have to do give him commendations, props, uh, compliments, all of that for being able to keep it together, booking all the guests, handling all the calls, doing all the contesting yesterday, despite the fact that he was in the middle of a real big ugly. I think. Uh, so today we'll talk to Richie Bristol. We'll find out how his weekend was spent. 
And we will answer this question. On what did Richie Bristol spend $150 before going off to party this last weekend? Should we play 20 questions? Uh, yes, but not with you. Uh, so we will find out on what did Richie Bristol spend $150. Don't forget it is September. That means it's a new page in the Serial Killer of the Month calendar. Uh, today's Serial Killer. This month's Serial Killer, the month of September, is David Berkowitz, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the son of Sam, the Serial Killer of the Month for September. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Wednesday. And here I am updating just handwritten notes here. We have a lot of things going on. News happening faster than we could even talk about it, Tim. You betcha. No one will want to fly over the new cuckoo's nest. Ground is broken for the new state mental hospital in Salem. A man is stabbed while sleeping aboard an Amtrak train in Oregon. Six are dead in a Washington killing rampage. Two are dead after their car flips over the St. John's Bridge. A Eugene paraplegic will do time for causing two car crashes. Sarah Palin will introduce herself at the GOP convention tonight. Uh, Oh, we understand she has slash funding for teenage mothers in Alaska. Good for you, Sarah Palin. (laughs) She has uh, just given John McCain a hug. And the pregnant uh, daughter gave him a hug. And the dad of the uh, pregnant uh, daughter's child has just shaken his hand. So, yeah, because we heard last night that he was sort of being flown in. And I guess they were trying to keep it a secret, maybe. But that, you know, there's, that doesn't really work anymore. So, so apparently now the dad is psyched to be a father, according to uh, <laughs> Republican people. His latest Twitter feed indicates that he is, in fact, enthused about the prospect of impending parenthood. Uh, John McCain's people mistakenly say this nonsense is over. Uh-huh. See, what else do we have here? Great White agrees to pay a million dollars to the families of the Rhode Island nightclub fire victims. And Rupert Murdoch may buy the New York Times. Really? Yes. That's astounding. Mm-hmm. Is that just a rumor that we're going to pass off as truth? It's coming from Fox Business Reports. Interesting. Hey, I'm going to start an urban legend right here. Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this for the show about David Duchovny being in uh, sex addiction rehab for like getting his porn on and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and we were having this discussion about, because Taylor Leone and David Duchovny were like, well, he wasn't having an affair, but he's got this, he's hooked on the porn. And we were talking about how he plays a sex addict on that Californication show. In that Playboy interview, he just rhapsodizes endlessly and at splendiferous length about porn. And then on the X-Files, I'd forgotten about this, Fox Mulder is obsessed with pornography. And he's got the huge porn collection. And like, and, and I think Scully at one point asked him money. He goes, well, it, it relaxes me. So I think we should start an urban legend that whenever David Duchovny takes a role, it's got to be written into the script that his character is a porn addict. And we're going to start that urban legend right now. That it's, it's, you know, it's like having a tour writer with no brown M&Ms or whatever. That David Duchovny, it's got to be written in that he's a porn freak in all of his yeah, uh, movie and figures. Could possibly be true. And, and that's the thing. It's like, would it surprise you if you found out that it was real? Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Maybe I got better at 20 questions over my no. vacation. No, I mean, we all know that's I'm, not true. No, I'm terrible. Uh, so we'll play 20 questions later on, maybe for an additional copy of that, uh, that bodyguard jazz uh, that we're giving away. All right, let me just ask. Did you all watch 90210 last oh night? Oh, my God. Yeah. My mom and I called each other during commercial breaks. And I went over to Lisa's and watched it. It is the trashiest show I have ever seen. And did you uh, realize it was interrupted for commercial breaks every five minutes? Oh, yeah. Every five it up for two hours. Oh, yeah. And oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's just ridiculous because they're like, the characters in it are, you know, because you know, it's like 16 years later. Oh. Which means the baby that Andrea Zuckerman had with Jesse Vasquez is now... In um, in high school, so Andrea's daughter is in high school. Well, Kelly Taylor is playing the, the guidance counselor, and Shannon Doherty is in town coaching the kids on a play. It's just insanity. How does it feel to be old, Sarah? It's completely confusing. Cause I'm like, wait, they're calling her Kelly, yeah. and that's Brenda. I'm like, but they're so old, and yeah. Brenda's face looks 
feet. Doesn't her yeah. face look terrible? Uh, yeah, Laura made that observation last night. She said, you know, Shannon Doherty has not aged well. That was the observation she like made. She's already had a facelift, and she's like 35. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what, are, what are you doing there? Oh, you, but you, she's like a little pig nose and like a big gap between her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you have money, fix that, honey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got the, You know, it's not just about the neck down. You can, you, know, you can get that helmet of yours taken care of if you've got enough cash. And I had a really big problem with the guy that they're typecasting as the Dylan McKay of this season, uh, the guy Ethan. He is such a mouth breather, and he is not hot in any way, and he's not the bad boy. He's just an idiot. And so I really didn't like him. So I didn't watch it last night. So this is. Did uh, Lara watch it? Yeah, she did. Uh, she was she was gonna watch it anyway. I mean, just because you know she's trash. But but I told her I'm like you know even if you weren't already gonna watch it, like you gotta watch it because I can't be in two places at once. I don't have time to watch the Republican convention and 90210. So you have, honey, you gotta take one for the team. And it turns out she'd already gotten the season pass. Like she wasn't even just watching it last night. She'd already set the table to like tape every episode of it that ever airs. But she was watching it, and because she's the best wife ever, she was making notes about it for me. But that was her first observation. She's like, Shannon Doherty looks bad. Uh, what were her other observations? And Nat was in there, and the Peach Pit is now like a hip That's what she was out. saying, yeah. that the, the Peach Pit's been all revamped, and it's kind of hip-hop-y and whatever. Uh, and then Liz Fair apparently is doing the music for oh the my, show. Oh, and Tilly and the Wall played on it. And yeah. that's when my heart broke. Oh, please. And well, I mean, they that's actually... when your heart broke. Well, no, they kind of... They, I didn't really like them last time I saw them in town because they, they've lost that, like, fun, organic... Didn't Death Cat for Cutie play on the OC and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, but Tilly and the Wall was, like, my special band that I loved for years that oh, were just kooky. Well. And I saw them in Boston in, like, a really small venue. And now they sold out, Sarah. They have... Last time I saw them, I didn't even recognize them. They have the one, you know, the prettiest girl, of course, singing the entire time, sure. and it's not as folky anymore. You know, but uh, yeah, that happened all the time with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, because it's just, I say, sounding like a teenage girl. Because it, on on Buffy, they would go to, uh, you know, they go to the Bronze and they, you know, which is their which is their Peach Pit, their club, and there would always be some band, you know, that you thought of as being like just your band or some underground band or a band that maybe only you were really, you know, familiar with. Like what was that band? It was like one of those K bands. It was like Reliant K or K's Choice or Special K or what? You know, one of the, I wasn't even really into, but I was aware that they had some sort of indie cred, and they're like, then there they are, and you know, on the, you know, there they are on the WB or whatever they have, whatever that mm-hmm. network was at the time. So it's, you know, you got to make money where you can. We had a whole discussion about this last week about bands so-called selling out, and yeah, what, and they, it isn't even like the soundtrack that bothers me. They were performing in the club. Yeah. You got to make the money where you can, uh, sister. It, look, it's not like you're gonna it's not like you're gonna make a lot of money for the record company at this point. Yeah. I mean, however bad artists got the shaft from the record company before, it's like ten times as bad now. So you got to pick up those dollars where you can. I have no problem with that. Oh, it looks like Jamie Lynn Spears has ordered a gift for uh, Bristol Palin from really? the Beverly Hills Baby Store Petite Treasure. All underage moms must stick together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a baby is the new black, by the way. Just so you know. Uh, so let's see what else. Nine zero two one zero. Yes, the theme. I noticed the theme song is the same, but it's been updated. So they got that updated version of that thing. Oh, and then between breaks, apparently there was this alleged backstage party when you didn't see more than three people at once. Yeah. No, they just like showed two of them together. Yeah, and it was Steel Bloop didn't look very good. No, but how weird is it to see? Was it Jessica the, Walters or whatever her name yeah, is from Arrested Development? Grandmother again. But I watched a little bit of 90210 last night, um, and then I'll regain my masculinity here in a second by talking about the Shield. But uh, but I watched a bit of 90210, and it was so weird to see Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development playing in some ways the same character, and I couldn't figure out if that was bad casting or genius casting. It was. I think it was pretty bad. The, the her script was so heavy-handed, yeah. and it well, was just. Just poorly written, and she's just like, I'm going to get more iced tea. And they're like, oh, you're specialized. And she's like, well, I guess I'll get some alcohol in that. Ha, ha, yeah. ha. And like, 
really. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty great. I watched enough of it just to sort of smile because it was, but it's like um, Will Arnett, who played Job Bluth on Arrested Development. You know, I made this observation to somebody, I forget who it was, that, you know, the thing about Arrested Development is it didn't ruin those guys for comedy roles. It ruined them for dramatic roles Mm -hmm. because that's the genius of Arrested Development is that they played it straight like a drama. And so... As I think I mentioned, you go back and you watch old Sopranos episodes, and what's his name? Will Arnett, Joe Bluth, is on The Sopranos as an FBI agent. And so, you, and he plays it really serious. We're going to take down Tony Soprano. You know, and, it's, and you just laugh. It's just impossible to take him seriously. So that's the thing about those. Those guys are going to have a real hard time doing, doing sort of straight performance at this point. Um, all right, so yeah, so 90210. And Laura was doing all of this weird calculus in her head last night about... I don't really know the show that well, but about she was working backward from the ages of the characters in 1991 to apparently there's some character in 90210 that now has both a 35-year-old daughter, is it Kelly's mom, and also has like an 18-year-old daughter. Like Kelly has some sister who's 17 years younger than she is. Does this sound accurate? Yes, yes. Kelly, um, David Silver and um, Kelly Taylor's parents had a kid when they were still in high school. That was Laura's thing, and she was trying to figure out if that was actually accurate. I know, that's, she, that's so funny, because we, um, I watched it with Lisa last night, and we were backdating her. She couldn't remember. That's what she was doing, too. She, and she actually, at one point, took out a legal patch. She's like, okay, you know, Kelly has a baby at 17. She's on a train moving 30 miles an hour yeah, from Chicago. Kelly doesn't have a baby, but, uh, but Or whatever, the, you know. The, the but thing. Kelly does have a baby. She's talking about her son, but she makes no mention of the baby's father, and the right. father's four and a half years old. And then when the season ended, she was with Dylan. So it's like, ooh, is it Dylan's baby? And ooh, is Luke Perry going to make a guest appearance? Final, Jesus, it's 11 25. Final 90210 note. Uh, it, before we talk at the, briefly about the shield, we'll take some calls. We'll break. Uh, Laura uh, learned, I taught her a new phrase last night, and that phrase is retcon. And people who watch sci fi or fantasy know all about the retcon. Retcon is retroactive continuity. And that's when a TV series goes back. They don't go back. But that's when a TV series writes something in. They write in a past event. That really, you know, never happened, but they write in a past event to make current events seem logical. For example, um, I do believe, and this is the first example that comes to mind, you know, on the original Star Trek, the Klingons look a lot different than they do on Star Trek The Next Generation because of, you know, the makeup and the costuming is different. I mean, basically, you watch the original Star Trek and the Klingons look like they got a $1.99 costume on for Halloween. You watch Star Trek The Next Generation... You know, and the Klingons look totally different. So there is this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Worf, they come into contact from, with Klingons from the past, and somebody makes some observation about, like, hey, Worf, why do Klingons from the past look so different? And Worf says this thing about, well, there was a, there was a splicing of the, of the genetic code at some point, and that's why we look different, and it's a total retcon. It's a retroactive continuity, something they write in to make past events seem like they make sense in the future. So Lara says that they are sort of, of inserting characters from the past that she doesn't remember ever being there. It's like, hey, it's so and so. I remember going to high school with you, and she's like, that guy was never at the high school. He was never on the old. No, episodes. the guy who's the guy who's the principal, who's the that's father. A, that's the principal. He that's who not, she was talking. About. No, he was not on the show. That's and what that, she's that saying. Kind of frustrated me. She's too. like, come on, he was never there. They're pretending they've always known him. And I said, honey, welcome to the wonderful world of the retcon, because they do that stuff all the time. I believe he was on Melrose Place, though. Yeah, it's. And they did have a couple crossover episodes, like when Kelly was dating Jake when he was painting the. I missed stuff. All right, uh, we have to become less girly now. Yes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Uh, David Duchovny's sex addiction was actually mentioned in the X-Files, and I don't want to sound like that guy who does the shiny thing at Dennis yeah, Miller. Too but late. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peter Boyle was on, and he had this, this ability to tell how people would die. Right. 
and he touched David Duchovny, and he goes, wow, autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> I, I didn't see that coming. So, Fantastic. Actually, anyway, thank you. And in, in honor of that, can you do the right across his posterior? Oh, do we have Brit 6? Uh, I don't have that over here, but Sarah has that. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Brit 6. Right across his posterior. There you go, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Zach, the weird fat guy. Okay. <laughs> What's um, up? Dude, David Duchovny totally does that in, like, all of his movies. He was in a movie with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I think, I can't remember her name, but the um, the chick from The Big Lebowski who paints naked. I can't remember that actress's name. Not Tara Reid. And anyway, she he plays his her wife, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is like a girlfriend of another guy, and they're all buddies. And he's a sex addict in that movie. See, so that's so that's at least four different things right now where he's played a sex addict. And there's this great scene where he goes to the Sex Anonymous or whatever, and like he's just he's rocking a sandwich while he's sitting there, kind of getting jiggles from everybody's problems. Weird. And one guy's like, "Yeah, I do my mom and my sister, my mom and my sister at the same time." And another guy's all like, <laughs> "I wear a leather helmet and I, you know, go to town on myself in front of restaurants and stuff like that." And everybody's just got all these problems, and then they go to him and he's like oh yeah I'm, I'm so and so and uh, yeah, I've been cheating on my wife and they're all kind of looking at him like you jerk why are you here poser and then yeah. so he looks at his sandwich and he's like eh, and when I do I cover myself with lunch meat and then they're all like oh yeah yeah I get it and then the host is all like that's great you better give me that sandwich <laughs> fantastic do you see so there is so maybe maybe it's not even an urban legend maybe it is in fact uh, the case that he has to have sex addiction written into all his roles yeah and I could have seen him having a sex addiction in Zoolander with that weird hand thing going on so. totally. alright thank you sir <laughs> Later. alright one more hi you're on the Rick Emerson show hello Hey Rick, I know you haven't uh, gotten to the shield yet, but uh, I was—I was just—it's probably kind of an obvious observation. I won't give anything away in case anybody's seen it. But does it seem like Ronnie, who's always been kind of on an even keel, is starting to take, you know, a turn for the worse. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk briefly about the shield here. We'll talk more about it with Peter Carlin in the one o'clock hour. Um, so if you haven't seen last night's shield or you know whatever you. Uh, turn the radio down for a minute or two. Uh, yes, yeah, so the Shield last night. I think that I mean, who knows? That show is so good about setting up red herrings and then they don't pay off. But the thing with Ronnie uh, putting two in the Armenian guy and then you know he gets that thousand yard stare and you know you think about it, Ronnie's been through some weird stuff going all the way back to when um, uh, when that guy burned his face on the stove, like in the second season or the first season, um, and he has always been the sort of you know, he's been, he's been like at the calm, quiet, when he's been the shimp, basically, of the strike force. And you just, you got to think that maybe there's some weirdness going on in that guy. And here's my, and I don't know anything. This is not a spoiler, because I don't know. But you got to wonder if maybe the series is going to end. If, you got to wonder if the series is going to end with Ronnie taking out Shane or Vic or both of them. Well, that, that whole situation is going to get real ugly before it's over, that's for sure. Well, and, and somebody made an observation about how the S.H.I.E.L.D., Somebody said that they didn't feel like last last night's episode was very strong or whatever, and I think it was only because of where it ended, because those guys have always, you know, they've kind of colored outside the lines, and they've sort of, you know, they've he's he's worked outside the law, but they've never gone so far as to what they did last night, which is to instigate, like, a full-on race-slash-gang war in Los Angeles, which they're then going to step back and let happen just to cover their own asses. I mean, it's just, it's like so far beyond anything they've ever done. Well, and those, and those guys, you know, Chicklis and, and Walton Goggins, those guys are such good actors that it's just, I, I think it's going to be really, really great. i got to tell you this, you know, you think back to Michael Chicklis, who was the commish, and then he was in that movie Wired, where he played John Belushi, uh, and then he had a bit part in, like, some Oliver Stone films, and he was just all kind of cute and cuddly. Man, you see Michael Chicklis in a dark alley now, you just, you'd wet yourself. There's no getting around it. And I saw an interview with him where, where his wife basically 
slapped him and said, get out of your, your sulking, and you need to reinvent yourself, and he did a really good job of it. Totally. All right. Thank All you, right. sir. Thanks, All right, there you go. Shield last night. We'll talk more about it with Peter Carlin. Uh, it was just a fantastic kickoff. Um, all right, let's see. Well, I got all these notes about about the, the Republican convention last night, but A, right, we don't have time to get to them. B, I think we probably all need to take a breath. I know that there's at least one person in this room <clears throat> who had to turn off the television because they found the coverage uh, perhaps a little um, little chafing. So um, I will just, uh, I'll just read this one quote. This is not even from the convention. This is from uh, this morning. This is Susan Reynolds. Susan Reynolds said this at... Uh, this is today, uh, the 3rd of September, 2008. This is Susan Reynolds saying this at 9.23 a.m. Susan says, quote, Nothing against rubes. They have their place, but it's not in the White House. So there you go. Who can disagree? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, back after this uh, with uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Later on, uh, Lisa Desjardins, uh, Tim Riley uh, at the Ministry of Truth, Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, Top 5, all that. the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson radio program. All right, so we have uh, Steve Kastenbaum here, theoretically, according to Hoyle. Right. Well, we'll see if that actually happens. No, we have him at 50. Ah, okay, so we have no one here, and we have Steve at 50. All right, okay. Just just clarifying. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. actually frees us up uh, to do a couple of things. All right, I just got uh, this email to read, then we'll talk to Richie Bristol. Uh, we'll find out what he was up to this weekend. So uh, don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of the Bodyguard double feature, The Bodyguard Bodyguard 2, starring Tony Ja on DVD. I'm assuming it's just J-A-A. Uh, in stores now separately, or is a double feature from Magnolia, uh, Home Entertainment. All right, so let me read. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, let me read this, then we'll talk to, then we'll talk to Richie Bristol. Uh, subject line, Cindy McCain. Uh, Rick, sitting in a hotel room watching... I'm sorry, please, Ray, I have to clear my throat. Would you, uh, okay, play, you play a little uh, something there for like 10 seconds? I don't know, I gotta... Okay. Make it. Why do birds suddenly appear Every time you are near Just like me They long to there we go. That's much better. All right. Fantastic. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. This email says, about Cindy McCain, Rick, I am sitting in a hotel watching CNN. Cindy McCain spoke for about 45 seconds. I think this might actually be uh, a reference to the opening night, but he says, wow, she looks pretty good, except she's wearing it looks like the Morton Salt Girl outfit, just without the umbrella. Earlier, you know, they were playing a totally tone-deaf Miss Minnesota singing the national anthem. Why were there harps accompanying the national anthem? The music playing along with the anthem sounded like it was coming from a $20 Casio keyboard. Uh, and then he says, uh, all additional uh, thought, why are so many Republican strategist chicks totally hot and looking looking like they need a good you-know-what? Well, because that's, I was actually talking to Joni about this last night, and that's the whole deal with 
That's kind of why the, the Sarah Palin thing is almost a little unsurprising, because it just it follows that sort of playbook they've been running for about 10 years, uh, where they just get some kind of sort of superficially hot woman to come out of the set of mouth, all the Republican talking points, which I guess they think makes it like more palatable to the average American. It may or may not. I don't know. Richie Bristol, if you can, if you can join us now in the studio, please. All right. Uh, joining us now, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Are you feeling better today? Oh, yeah. You were not. Really, you didn't look Richie, very good yesterday. you didn't bring your A game yesterday, did you? A game? I didn't bring any game. You didn't bring A game at all. A <laughs> game at all. Uh, all right. Uh, on a scale of, like, 1 to 10, how hungover were you yesterday? Let me put it this way. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad did you feel yesterday? The worst today. That's the worst day. Yesterday was the worst day I felt. Why? Ever. Like, what did you do to yourself? Uh, five hours of sleep over four days. Probably did it. And so you left town. You were gone on Friday, right? Right. All right. So you left town on Friday or Thursday. When did you actually leave town? Oh, Thursday. Thursday. You left town on Thursday. And then you were out where? At the coast? Yep. All right. And then you were out at the coast from Thursday night until when? I got back last night. Or was it the night before? Yeah, the night before. You got back Monday night. Yeah, I still haven't even unpacked or nothing. All right. So, I haven't unpacked either, actually. <laughs> so over the course of Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh -huh. you slept for about five hours. Uh-huh. And you were drinking, I would imagine, almost the entire time. Yeah, well, we would drink a lot of uh, vodka and stuff, but mm -hmm. this is to tell you how much we drank. Between me and two other people that were in Mar trailer, we drank ten cases of Rockstar. That is gross. Well, I, of course we shared, but... It was <laughs> mighty Christian. In Everything five in Rockstar. Days, three people, ten cases of Rockstar. How many? How many? The little ones. The little ones, though. Twenty-four. That makes that. That makes it better. I'm sure we shared, but uh, so. so. Between three people, you drank 240 Rockstars. Yeah, that's so a that shot is, each that, one. That is 80. Wait, oh, hold on. What do you mean when you say a shot each one? Well, because it's a little can, and you do a, sh you know, like Jaeger bombs. Well, wait. So this is okay. So you're look, you're you're looking at this in the wrong side of the mirror. Oh, okay. So it's not so much that you guys drank 240 cans of Rockstar. It is that between the three of you, over the course of those days, you had 240 shots. Yeah, because each one is a shot, plus you play different games like pick-up lines and stuff like that. What is it? Please to explain. Oh, you'd love pick-up What is line. the pick-up line? Uh, yeah. You play a game where they give you a card and you, you ask, your, what is your favorite color or something? And you got to shoot back a... If you were a color, what would you be? You'd say red because I'm hot. It's... I'd have to show you, but it's a great game. Do I have to say it just like that? Yeah, it's a drinking game that we made. And so then three of you over the course of, let's say, four days, because uh -huh. if you consider Monday as half a day and Thursday as half a day, over the course of four days, the three of you had a minimum of 80 shots. I, I mean, that's we a, shared. I mean, I that's mean, in addition but... to, like, beer. That's in addition to everything else. Yeah, we had a... What ten... was your alcohol of choice? Well, we had a 10-gallon jug of uh, jungle juice. <laughs> and we How went... many people were there? Oh, more than a hundred. Yeah. All right, but it was twenty trailers alone. So you, so nothing says sophistication like twenty tra uh, twenty tra twenty trailers <laughs> and a big thing of jungle juice. And then you had Jaeger, yes. Yep. And a uh, whole there was a crew called Milwaukee's Best, and you can guess what they drink. Yes, yes I can. <laughs> uh, all right, and so they're from Escada. Two things I want to. I got two things I want to ask you about. One. Uh, and then we'll play 20 questions to see if anybody can deduce uh, exactly what it is you purchased $150 of before leaving. First of all, A, please not to tell the story about how you hog-tied a guy. Oh, um, 
Well, I didn't, and I was holding the camera. Right. Uh, there was this guy, and he's going around the dance floor. We made our own dance floor out on the sand. Right. DJs and stuff. Uh, they He was dancing around. You could tell he's really drunk because he's hitting on everybody's girlfriends right. and stuff like that. And people were getting kind of upset with him and stuff. His friends could see there was tension building. And they're like, well, we got to get him out of here. And people were saying, you know, you should probably leave. You're a little too intoxicated. He was eating the fruit out of the jungle juice, which is a straight Everclear. Right. Anyway, so finally they got him over to the side, and he decided he just took his friend's quad's keys, or his ATV keys, mm -hmm. and he jumped on the ATV, and he was going to drive off. And everybody's like, no, he's too drunk to drive. Next thing he knows, he gets blindsided and tackled. Bam! They tackle him off, and he fought it for a while, and they kept on fighting his friends and other people. And they ended up holding him down and with zip ties, mm -hmm. hogtied him. You know, like cops do behind your back oh, yeah. and, and your legs. They hogtied him, picked him up, threw him in the back of the truck, and then he got loose. His arms got loose, and he started <laughs> he swinging. I like, which, the, when you say he got loose, it's like he's either a greased-up pig or he's a zombie. He's one of the two. You know, he's broken his bonds. Come off his head. Yeah, that's when the camera came out when they were putting him in the truck. It's Please dark, tell me there's footage. It's family guy. Like, it's that game that they play, like, chase the greased-up uh, drunk guy. No, I don't know. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I got yeah. footage of him tied. You can see the, it's pretty blurry because everything's moving real fast. We could hear people yelling and cussing. And, but you can see the actual, uh... Tie straps. Right. So, wait, zip was ties he able, on him. Now, was he able to actually break those zip ties? Or, yeah, he broke those, those zip ties. Those are, I mean, cop, like, cops actually use those in riots when they don't have enough. They can't carry enough handcuffs. And so if there's going to be, uh, like, civil disobedience or they know that they're going to have to cuff a lot of people, cops won't carry an actual handcuff on them. They'll carry in a big thing of those, and they call them riot cuffs. Uh, and because they can, because they're lightweight and they can, you know, zip them right on the wrist of it, but then they hold. I mean, they're difficult to get out of. Oh, yeah. He, he got his arms loose. You could see him. And then, you know, that's when his friends jumped in the back seat on top of him and they were pulling his hair. And it was, yeah, I got good those, footage. Those are good Jeez. friends. <laughs> uh, but he didn't drive drunk. That was the bottom line. We all right. Like, okay, cool. His second friend thing, handled it. Well, speaking of driving, so then uh, then let's fat before we talk about, before we do the, uh, the 20 questions. Um, so then you also, I only saw a little bit of this, but Sarah was showing me some footage where you, where you racked up your truck somewhere. Uh, yeah, I was setting up a tent. I got a tent that will facilitate 250 people. Uh -huh. <laughs> My own tent. You make money on this? Is uh, this a thing where you charge? No, no it's it's not a money maker. It's just a party maker. Was it sponsored by something? Because it looked like I saw the picture of your truck and there was like a giant rock star can. Next yeah, time. they helped us out. Really? This? Let me let me just say this is just He's genius. An observation about your own life. So in your private life, you actually have your events sponsored. Uh huh. You really How are you impressive in a that? whole lot of ways. I mean, you, have you thought about, I mean, really, no lie, about some being some sort of an event coordinator or something for a living? Uh, Not that we're trying to get rid of you. I'm just saying it seems like that's a that's a field in which you might excel, Richie. Uh, I have two corporations, actually. <laughs> Richie, will you help me figure out? I don't understand anything about you. You are such an unfolding mystery. Can I, do, I don't know if I mentioned this, Sarah, but I went into the kitchen yesterday when Dan from Powell's was here. I go into the kitchen to get I know, get some coffee or a glass of water or something, and I walk into the kitchen, and Richie is saying this. Richie is busy talking to Dan from Powell's, and he's saying, this is Richie talking yesterday. He's going, well, you know, the universe is always expanding, and one edge of the universe is always pulling away from the other edge. And so that means if you were to stay in the same place, the universe would eventually pass you by, and that's how time travel happens. And I sort of stopped, and I looked at it, and I just kind of did that Bugs Bunny, like, yeah, I, I, and then I just sort of walked onto the bathroom. Because I didn't, it's like, I, what am I going to, I don't even know how to insert myself into that conversation. So uh, so how did you end up uh, screwing your truck up? Uh, my brother goes, I was just parking. He goes, hey, look at that jump right there, because this is straight up berm that I got stuck on the night right, before. Right. And I said, I'm going to make that. So I pulled the truck around and I basically... After you already stuck on it the night before? Yeah, they had to pull me out at 2 o'clock in the morning. But uh, 
That was tonight. I wasn't drinking. <laughs> and so your truck is. So what is the status of your truck? Uh, I indo. I went. I just got about three feet of air, and I indoed in it. And then what does that mean? Uh, you know, like. Uh, your front end goes into something. Oh, like the family the... trucks during vacation when it goes off the cliff and then it goes, <laughs> and the yeah, front end just scrapes along. Front end first, so I dug my front end about a foot into the sand, <laughs> and then when I it, it hit so hard, I bounced back out, but then my bumper fell out, and here goes the radiator. <laughs> Your bumper fell out in the radiator, <laughs> and I got a six-inch hole where the fan it drove the radiator into the fan, and it just cut. <laughs> Cut my radiator out. I got a picture on my website, richradio.com. Uh, it's got a six-inch hole in the radiator where water filled out. Please don't take this the wrong way, but if you invite me to one of your events, I'm never going. I don't care what you offer me. I don't care how nicely you ask. I'm never going to any of your parties because it just sounds like chaos. Oh, yeah. I mean, crazy. your parties sound like a sort of miniature concentrated version of Florida. You know what I mean? Where it's just nothing but accidents and gunshots and maimings and car crashes. action. I mean, I would, wouldn't you be terrified to fall asleep at one of Richie's events? <laughs> I mean, just, there's no way. I mean, I've met a bunch of Richie's friends, and none of them are creepy in any way, but it just seems like a lot of badness. It just happens. seems like chaos, man. Crazy. All right, so... Uh, I drove do, home um, with the hole, though. I put eggs in my radiator. Why? Because I heard this myth. And I was myth-busting my own I thing. I radiator with eggs. <laughs> I drove 300 miles with like egg whites in my radiator. It worked. What it didn't it? even leak. But what do you mean? The, you mean the eggs clog they, it up? Is it because they heat and then they fill the hole? Yeah, you take pliers and you pinch your radiator so that it's getting as small as leak right, as possible. Right. And you put egg whites in your radiator. What happens is it cooks and it goes... And then they solidify so it's like... It's like uh, it's like fix a flat or something. Yeah, but so eggs, and it, I made it all the way home, 300 Where miles. did you find that? Did you look it up online? No, a bunch of drunk people told me, and I didn't believe them for a long time because I couldn't believe Hold on, like Red Dawn, where you got to like, you know, no, 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 you just got to whiz. Yeah. So you broke a bunch of eggs, took out the yolks, and then just poured yeah. Filling your radiator with egg whites. How much are you going to cost to get your, your truck fixed? This one? I don't yeah. know, a few hundred. Jesus. I don't understand you, Matt. All right. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, let's go. Do, let's see. Well, we got we got Steve here just a second, though, don't we? Uh-huh. Uh, I do want to know if she spent $150. All right, well, let's do this. We'll take caller 5 right now. It's 503-733-2970. Caller 5 at 503-733-2970. We'll play a little bit of 20 questions. Uh, we will not identify where he purchased this. Uh, a, to preserve. Uh, they probably don't want to be associated with him. And also, uh, to make it a little more difficult. Uh, the question is, on what did Richie spend $150 before heading off to this weekend's revelry? We'll take caller 5 at 503-733-2970. You can nail it in 20 questions or less. Uh, you win a, a double feature, The Bodyguard and Bodyguard 2 on DVD. Hi, Rick Emerson. Show who's this. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's you, sir. Hello. Excellent. Uh, you want me to nail down what Richie bought? No. What else no. do you have? Okay, here's what I have. There was a huge procession going down Highway 26, a funeral procession, and it was blocking the highway up for, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a mile. I was mm-hmm. wondering if any big important person is being buried today. Uh, I don't know. We'll have uh, Tim look at it, but I mean, don't. But that's a funeral procession's just kind of got the right to sort of block up whatever, right? Isn't it like as long as you get a permit or something? Um, no, this was. Let, let me give you a little bit of background. We had police escort in the front, police bikes behind that, a bunch of volunteer POW, MIA, you know, uh, bikers on Harleys with an honor guard flag, then the hearse, then more police bikes, then two more police cars, and then the corker behind it all, 
DOT, you know, ODOT dump right. trucks. I don't necessarily know, but I, but, but I will say there's a couple of wars uh, going on that we don't talk about much uh, anymore for some reason, but they're still happening. So it would not surprise me if there was um, uh, perhaps someone from this area who maybe had you know, died overseas. Or something. I don't really know. We'll, uh, we'll look mm. into it. So there you go. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Carl. Hello, Carl. How are you today? Uh, fantastic. All right. You ready to play 20 questions? Yes, I just have to say that that egg whites is from MacGyver, though. Is that true, really? So yeah, Richie, it was the uh, jeep that he was driving along the railroad track. Wait, so it's not just a figure of speech. He actually MacGyvered his car. Yes. Excellent. All right, sir. Uh, Twenty questions. Please now to identify on what did Richie Bristol spend one hundred fifty dollars uh, uh, before his uh, party? Ah, shoot, man! I just got in the car. I'm about to say. Uh, well, it has it has nothing to do with we didn't reveal it, we didn't say anything about it, we didn't hint at it. So you're starting from absolute zero in this. Uh, liquor. No. Uh, is it a animal, vegetable, or mineral? Uh, I would say it's um, of the three, it's closest to mineral. Mineral. Uh, is it a drug? Yes. Uh, tobacco. Uh, well, it is a drug. Okay. I'll go with, is it a... I will put it this way. It's, it's, a, it's a chemical. Let's put it that way. Is it a powder or a liquid? It is neither. Oh, uh, is it uh, tobacco? No. Uh, is it drug? Uh, is it prescription? Mm, well, he uh, it was not a prescription. He bought it without a prescription uh, and did not break any, any laws. So it's, uh, is it an over-the-counter drug? Uh, it is something, it is a chemical he purchased without a prescription, yes. Okay. Uh, did he purchase a... Uh... We will not identify the business at which he purchased it. Oh, okay. Is that... What am I, 10 questions? Uh, you are at 7. I'm at 7. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it's a... Uh, but it's a licensed business. Uh, it is, yes. It is a regular business. Wasn't some guy named Vinny. <laughs> and uh, uh, no does. Uh No. No, sir. For a... For the party. Yes. And uh, I would have to say it's a um, uh, Excedrin caffeine uh, no, Red sir. Bull. No, no, you are you are right. You are now at half your questions. <laughs> All right, it's a um, it's a chemical. And is it coming in a metal container? Uh, I don't believe so. No. Does it come in like a little plastic pill jar? Uh, it comes in something plastic. Oh, I'm sorry. Richie wants to clarify. It does come in metal. Yes, it does come in metal, sir. Okay. Uh, it comes in metal. And uh, so, was there? Uh, were they shooting uh, guns at this party? Uh, probably, but that has nothing to do with what he purchased. Right. Uh, I would say uh, comes in metal. Uh, $120, right? 150 $150, and this is for, was this for one item or many? Uh, it was for items? many, many of one item. And uh, yep. oh, and one second here. Hey, Richie, will you um, apologize to Steve and uh, make sure that we, uh, that he can hang on for just a second here? I don't want him to, uh, I don't want him to have to go. All right. Uh, yeah, you got, uh, you got eight more questions, sir. Eight more questions. All right. It comes in metal. It's not bullets. It's, uh, uh, and it's some sort of uh, drug. I would have to say, um. Oh, God. Uh, it's not snuff. It is not snuff, sir. Seven questions left. Seven questions. Um, what? Um, oh, shoot. 
Did he buy it at like a Rite Aid or a drugstore? Um, he bought it at a store. Um, a store. Uh, you can answer yes or no. Well, he did not buy it at a Rite Aid or a drugstore. No. Okay. Um, and uh, was this taken internally? Yes. Okay. Five questions left. And is it uh, used for the design purpose? Um, is not the design. It purpose? is. Uh, it is uh, probably not sold to you. Uh, they will probably not tell you to, to use it as he did, no. Okay. Four questions left. All right. Uh, uh, is it some... Oh, shoot. Um, and, uh, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to pass on my four questions. You pulled the ripcord on it, sir. Yep, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely stumped. All right. So, but it sounds like a good time, and uh, I will uh, have to try, try back a little later. Time. All right, thank you, sir. Thank right, you. There you go. Thank you. If let's... I can take his right. remaining four questions and figure it out, can I get a copy of Bodyguard 2? First, let's go to Steve Kassenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Steve. You're on the uh, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program where we discuss at some length the puzzling, uh, confusing, terrifying, and enthralling life of Richie Bristol. How are you today? I had no idea where that was going. Uh, we were doing, I don't know if you came by halfway through, we were doing a 20 questions there. Uh, because uh, Richie Bristol, our intrepid PA call screener, uh, guest wrangler extraordinaire with whom you speak on a regular basis, he had this whole, he, he throws these insane parties where there's hundreds of people show up. He actually gets like sponsorship of these parties. I mean, this is just, just parties he throws as just a guy. Like, he's not, they're not making money or whatever, but his parties that he just throws on vacation weekends, like Labor Day weekend, are so huge, he now has actually gotten sponsorship of them from various companies. But, uh, we, as part of gearing up for his big holiday weekend that he just got back from, Richie spent $150 on an item. He spent $150 on something. And we were letting the audience do a little 20 questions to see if they could nail down what it was he spent 150 bucks on. Is so. it is it at, when you hear 150 bucks was spent for this item, do you feel that he spent more than he should have on it? Um, but did he buy more of a quantity than he probably He bought did? many of of he bought many many of this uh, of this item. Uh, I believe the item comes in individual um, units, let's say. But he bought many of them, and I it seems to me that it was for a reasonable price. But I don't really know. Got it. <laughs> Any further questions? We got three left. Sarah, you feel like taking three questions? Um, yeah. Was it some sort of like sexually stimulating? Pill? Uh, it wasn't a pill. Uh, I suppose it could be argued that it can be used as uh, uh, to aid uh, the pleasure of the sexual experience. But but again, I'm a little out of my depth on that. But I think so. Probably yes. So it's some kind of like herbal ecstasy. It is not an herbal ecstasy. Two questions left. Um, Steve. Is it a prophylactic? No, no. Final question, anyone. Should we just take a random call for yes. the final question? Uh, Steve, stay right there. Final question. Uh, you don't win anything, but you will, in fact, gain honor for yourself and your family. Uh, do you have a guess? Yeah, did he buy nitrous? Yes, he did. Yay! Uh, there you go. Thank you. Wait, if I... Wasn't I supposed to win a bodyguard? Because I just want to give it to Sarah. Oh, sadly. Oh. Sadly, no. Your call's <laughs> breaking up. We're losing your call. Thank you. No, he did, in fact, buy $150 worth of nitrous. So really? Whippets? Really? I, I mean, Richie. I'm just saying, oh, uh, you know, it, 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 we, do live in a, we do live in a capitalist society. One can earn money and then use those funds to purchase whatever one might desire, uh, up to and including nitrous. And, by the way, Richie wants to clarify, let's all prepare to shudder, it is for purposes of sexual enhancement. 
When I worked at a coffee shop, when somebody had a problem with, um, you, you know, because you'd put them in the canisters, the uh-huh. whipped cream canisters, oh, yeah. and they would always be deflated whenever oh, I get to work. I think everybody's worked in a kitchen where you go in to get the ready whip to put on that creme brulee, and it just doesn't want to come out of the can. <laughs> and then Paul's walking around all glassy-eyed. How are you, Steve? I'm good. I'm just wondering, never mind, 150 of them? You know, I, who's to say? I uh, Really... Let me just tell you this. Here's another thing in the phone call you missed. Richie was revealing that, A, one of the guests at this party got so out of control they had to hogtie him with those little plastic cinchy riot cuffs that the cops use. Uh, and that the guy was actually so out of it, he broke free of his cuffs, and they had to hogtie him again and then double up on the cuffing, all of which they filmed, you know, because they're, cause they're hicks. Uh, and then... Oh, Richie then later on the weekend damaged his radiator so severely that he was obligated to literally MacGyver it by filling his radiator with egg whites for the drive home. So this is the kind of shenanigans that go on at Richie's party. He's a unique individual. The, the, the truer words have never been spoken. All right. couple of things. So I don't even know where to start digging ourselves out of this news. Uh, so what is up with this, with this Detroit mayor? I, can, I can't even... You need a scorecard to keep track of what this guy's doing. Would you like to hear... Uh, what it sounds like to be a, a reporter in one of the uh, longest hearings ever. <laughs> yes, I would, sir. This is this is kind of what it's. This is it. This is just a sample of what's going on right now in Detroit. The governor of Michigan is presiding over a hearing about whether uh, Kwame Kilpatrick had violated Detroit's city charter uh, in uh, the way he settled uh, a lawsuit, a settlement with uh, some fired police officers. This, this is what it sounds like to cover one of these things. All right. Wait, wait, here it is. The reason uh, I remember that so well is because I immediately called McCargo or emailed him saying, hey. Imagine sitting through seven hours of that <laughs> for sounds, a couple of days in a row. It sounds gripping. Seven, uh, listen to that. Contact any news media. You know, I was concerned that it might get out on the air and I get... I think sitting in a courtroom or any sort of hearing is the most boring part of this job that you could possibly have. Really? I mean, if I'd known, we would have sent you $150 worth of nitrous, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. A little something there. And, because we, and, of course, the problem is that everybody grows up watching sort of the pop culture depiction of courtroom uh, proceedings, and everybody thinks that it's gripping and people are constantly standing and objecting to things and throwing stuff, and another guy's going, eh, fine, I did it. But really, it's just like Grandpa Simpson droning on. It's nothing like uh, the TV depiction at all. In fact, I can't even, I've lost count of the number of times I failed to stay awake in a courtroom while covering a case. <laughs> You're just trying to reconstruct it from your own foggy memories and the notes of other reporters. I'm, I'm thinking about it over the years because, you know, I worked in, in local uh, news radio for uh, 14 years. Yes. And, and, and out on Long Island, I covered a lot of court cases out there, and, and they're just impossible, impossible to stay awake through. And I have no idea how these courtroom jockeys, you know these guys who are retired and they just sit around the courthouse? Right. And they, you know, they look on the court docket to see what interesting case is coming up and they just sit in on it all day because they have nothing better to do? Yes. I have no idea how those guys stay awake. I don't know. I mean, and it does. Here's another question I have, and this is only sort of tangentially related to your thing. Here's something I'm always curious about. How come it is that no matter who is doing the courtroom sketch, it always looks like it was done by the same guy? What is that about? It is. Here in New York, there's this, um, <laughs> I have to send you a link uh, to an article about them. It's a mother-daughter team where the mother is like, uh, I think, 80 years old or something like or in her 70s. And they both look like, they, they're con- they both, the, including the 70-year-old, they wear leather pants about 75% of the time. 
when they go to the courtrooms, and they're like the only courtroom sketch artists that anybody here in New York uses. I mean, it's like, I've, I'm, you know, growing up, and especially before they started putting cameras in courtrooms, you just watch the evening news, and there'd be, you know, whatever, like the abscam scandal or something, and they would just show some defendant on the stand. And I mean, there's trials happening all over the country, and every single courtroom sketch looks like it came from the same guy using the same set of, like, crayons or whatever. Well, it has. It's this mother and daughter, and, and they look like they're um, former... Uh, kept women in a Hell's Angels biker gang. <laughs> That's the phrase of the day right there. Yes. Um, all right, so anyway, so this, so this Detroit mayor guy, so they're going to, and by the way, I have a friend of mine who's from Detroit, and he uh, told me there's now a bustling business in Detroit T-shirts featuring the mayor, sometimes in flattering poses, sometimes in not. Um, so what is it? So they're going forward with this uh, with this hearing on whether to, whether to bounce the guy out of office, right? Yeah, this is kind of, a, this has got to be embarrassing for the governor of the state, because basically the city council of Detroit, they went to the governor and said, hey, we think, you know, this guy violated our city charter, and according to the Detroit uh, Constitution, I mean, the Michigan's Constitution, you and only you can legally remove him from office if he's done this, so we have to have a hearing. Now, Kwame Kilpatrick, a.k.a. the hip-hop mayor, uh, has tried to block this two times uh, before, was unsuccessful. The hearing started this morning, so what does he do today? He appeals to the state Supreme Court in Michigan to have the hearing stopped. So it's been going on all day. Really, you know, riveting testimony. Uh, riveting. Uh, right now, the, the city council's lawyer is flipping to another uh, enlarged uh, memo. Uh, you know, it's like a human-sized <laughs> placard. They've blown up the memo so everybody can see it in the uh, in the courtroom here. Uh, I mean, and that's just – and I've seen that done in courtrooms, too, where they'll take – They'll take, like, the memo or a piece of paper or a note or a letter, and, and you're right. I mean, they'll blow it up, and they'll print it out on, like, um, you know, on, like, foam core or something, and then they hang it on the wall, which itself seems to be like a page out of the 1970s, because don't they have, like, a, you know, like, some thing they can do now where they just project it up on the wall or something? I mean, it's it's all very puzzling, and it must just, as you, I mean, how, how many more days of this is going to be? Is it just today? I don't know. I was hoping it was going to be uh, over within a couple of hours and that the governor would render her decision. I think I'm going to have to watch this for a couple of days now. Okay, i got a great idea for you. Here's another one of my patented uh, Rick Emerson ideas. I'm going to toss your way because I'm not going to be able to use it. What you ought to do is, this is a great idea, you, sir, ought to, and you would publish this either anonymously, pseudonymously, under your own name, whatever, but you ought to publish or you know, to write and then have published a novel, and the gimmick of the novel is... It was all written while you were sitting there between happenings at court events. You know what I mean? A yeah. novel written entirely. Like somebody ought to do a novel written entirely in doctors' waiting rooms. You know, or this is a novel written solely during the time I was online at the DMV over the years. Oh, I like that. I all like right. That. So I'm telling you, you roll that around your head, you can have that idea. It's sort of like that book that that woman wrote, Everything I Needed to Know About Life, I, I, she learned in the Loman's dressing room exactly. or whatever that book was. Do you know that one? Exactly. That knows exactly the same sort of gimmick. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I hate to throw you back into your day, but uh, <laughs> yeah. un unfortunately, all good things must come to an end on KCMD Portland. So, well, uh, hey, thank you. Hey, I, I do have to apologize to Sarah, by the way. Oh, uh, it's okay. Our paths never did cross. Oh, you didn't get to go to New York or to no. CNN in New York? No, no. No, I missed her, and, and I got back really late from Denver Friday night, and then uh, all day Saturday I was working on the new home with my wife, and, and then Sunday uh, I got her text message, and it was too late, and I forgot that she was here this weekend, and I, I messed up. Well, I might be... Uh, okay. Well, I'll be there again sometime, and then you okay. can make it up to me. And I might be headed there I don't know, sometime in the next six months or so, so I'll, uh, I'll drop you a line if, if slash when that's going to happen. So. Hopefully this hearing will be over by then. Probably, yeah. but we all know that's not true, Steve. Yeah.
<laughs> all right. Uh, all right. As always, uh, quote, enjoy, end quote, your day. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks a lot. There you go. Steve Kassenbaum. Well, you can tell he didn't want to end that call. It was, they were one of the only rays of sunshine in his, uh, in his, in his whole, like, sort of eight-hour uh, on-the-clock period today. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We'll do this one call, then we will plunge directly into the new news hour. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is uh, Taxi Driver Tom out here in, D- in Denver. Hello, sir. Oh, yeah. Hey, so I- you are the guy who's the taxi driver in Denver who was offering free cab rides to any Rick Emerson listeners during the convention last week. Absolutely. No Absolutely. takers. Yes. Uh, well, you know, maybe next time. Oh, that's all right. Nothing to it. I was going to say that, that I am uh, really excited about this election because there will be a, a highly underrepresented minority in the White House, no matter which way we go. It is pretty. Uh, it is pretty. Uh, it is pretty great, and uh, you know, just you, you sort of think on it for a while, and you can, you know, you really do realize how historic it is going to be one way or the other. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for the first time in my lifetime, at least, we'll have at least one person in the White House who looks good naked. <laughs> Excellent. Is, is that the extent of your call, sir? That would be it. All right, thank you. Good day, Rick. There you go. See, I thought he was going one whole way. Went the other way. Uh, In mere moments, we will begin the new news hour with Tim Riley. This email says, about Steve Kastenbaum. You know, Steve Kastenbaum seems to have reached the same disdain for his job as Jim Roop. Awesome. Why do I get the feeling their other radio appearances don't sound anything like the interviews on your show? Uh, This is why you have the best show ever. Well, thank you, sir. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... Broadcasting from the Ministry of Truth, giving you the news as only he can, preparing to inform and amuse the electorate, giving you facts, giving you facts, information, entertainment, observations of a wry and glib nature, recipes. Killing some time. Ladies it's and gentlemen, time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The damn laser printer ran out of paper. <laughs> uh, that laser printer has screwed us like four different times in the last well, week. Well, it just did. Oh, dude, okay. this morning, uh-huh. it did that thing of uh, one of the jamming guys was printing out a whole stack of paper, and it did the thing of like the. the it was like a 35-page set of whatever. First page in, <laughs> like it binds up, and then he, and he comes and you know, do you think there's a universal, there's a universal sort of tone or maybe a kind of a set of expressions that when used, I mean it's like you know that they're just talking about the printer having just gone belly up on something. Because I'm sitting there and I'm sorting through some stuff, and it starts to print, and then you hear that, and you can tell it's just eating the paper. And the guy comes in and looks at it. He comes in and she goes, oh, come on. And you just, I mean, you know what's happened, right? I don't think I saved it from last week. Let me see if I did. There was the best thing, and by best, I mean worst, that the printer said last week. Oh, man, I wrote it down and I didn't keep it. The printer said the best thing last week. It was on Wednesday. I mean, you know, because you don't, you know, you don't want to do the office space thing. But I was printing out a whole bunch of stuff, and it did this twice in rapid succession, by the way. Last Wednesday, I think it was. I print out all this stuff, and you know that I'm upstairs, and the printer's down here. So anytime I print something, it's not like it's the hardest thing. What am I going to walk all the way downstairs, down the hall, check it, and then if it doesn't print, all the way back upstairs, print it again, all the way back downstairs to test it. So I print all of this stuff, and like an idiot, you know, I never bother to check that any of it's actually working. So I print like a hundred stories, bunch of emails, all this crap. I go down to the printer, 
Nothing has been, not one thing, not one single piece of paper has printed. And then I'm looking and I see that error message that at once is oddly specific yet completely unhelpful. And I had actually written the error message down to read on the air that I never did. But it was, it was literally something like error C74059999P. And then below it, it said, turn off printer and restart. And so my question is, first of all, I mean, which is really like a PC load letter, what the F does that mean kind of a thing. And what the hell would they even, don't you think in the future, like, here's a little addition. How about you do this? Maybe just help us out a little bit. Why don't you just put a little thing on the front of the, the printer that actually is a little glossary for what the goddamn error messages actually mean? I mean, they must know the error messages are going to come up because they actually program them to show up on the display when something goes wrong. Clearly, they're aware that the error messages are going to be read by the user at some point. They also must be aware, you would think, in some sort of vague way, that no one understands what the error messages mean. So, why don't, when they make the printer, they just have a little sticker affixed to the front that tells you what the error messages are. And my final note before we, before we do the news here, Tim, is also this. Not unlike Windows computers, when the printer spits out the whole long error message and then it says, you know... Turn off computer, then restart. Well, it's not like they're giving you any other options. That is your only option to do it. That's your only, the only choice you have. So why doesn't the printer just do that itself and save us all some time, huh? Why don't the printer just turn itself off, turn itself back on, since that's the only way out of this entire snarl? Make any sense at all. Here's Tim Riley. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm saying. And then after all that, well, I still don't have what I originally went over. The- <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. That's great. The news and they're brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Center. Find us a collision repair. Go to Leif's.com. Find out what Leif's can do for you. Our top story, bloodbath in Washington State. Some mentally deranged individual who had been living out in the woods kills six people, injures two others. The suspect's mother, Denise Zambora, has told police who some 28-year-old Isaac Zamora had been living in the woods of northern Skagit County prior to the shootings, and his family had tried to push him into treatment for his mental illness. Those people, those precious people in that office, sir. I, this is the truth. I love him. But I would have rather it would have been him than any of them. So would all the victims. The investigation continues now. Over 100 police officers are assisting in this investigation. It will take us quite a bit of time to do so but again like I said last night our focus right now is making sure that we do a complete and thorough job on behalf of the victims of these crimes so this so this is a guy who is living off in the woods yeah for how long just maybe that's off and on all right and in Skagit County and then so where do the actual killings take place so this began yesterday afternoon about two o'clock in the town of Alger Washington but a police officer was dispatched to investigate a disturbance. The female deputy who responded to several previous calls involving the suspect was shot to death as she arrived with another person and two construction workers thought to be working on a house. A fifth victim was discovered in a nearby house. Another victim was shot during an ensuing high-speed highway chase. A motorcycle officer and another uh, motorist also wounded. Jesus. So uh, then the suspect uh, apparently stopped and then surrendered himself at a sheriff's office parking lot. He's a 28-year-old Isaac Zamore. He's uh, facing two charges of first-degree murder because the crime scenes are so intense. We are just now getting into processing those crime scenes. And as we go uh, throughout the day, we will, um, based upon the information we received at the crime scenes and witness statements, 
we anticipate additional charges. God, it's shades of Charlie Starkweather. Yeah, there are more details in his arrest in the uh, police department parking lot. I wouldn't characterize his arrest as him turning himself in. Details regarding the specifics of that uh, will, will come at a little later time. But, uh, again, I want to emphasize that he was uh, not necessarily turning himself in. So just... Well, what else would it be if he was in the police, unless he was, I mean, I don't really know, but unless he was thinking he was going to, you know, go and take out some, some cops at the police station or something. Mm. So, I mean, I, I don't really know. just would be my uh, my observation here as an editorialist that he seems screamingly crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So uh, they, they still don't have a motive, uh, apparently, so far. So this investigation uh, will continue. All right. So it may be a while before we find out any more details. It's not clear what the relationship was, if any, of the suspect to any of the, any of the victims at all. Um, obviously, that'll be something uh, that we look at as part of the overall investigation, and we'll look at that as we go. You know, really, not to, not to sort of diminish this or, you know, or anything, but I, it, it does remind me, I was, reading this, um, I was reading this book, I've actually read it before, but I was reading it again, a book called um, Close to Shore. And Close to Shore is the story of these great white shark attacks that happened um on the east coast uh off the, in like 19 it's either 1906 or 1916 i can't remember uh but the, the, the peter eventually based the, the book jaws on it whatever and they were talking about how this shark behaved it's so erratically and so unlike sharks typically do where he just sort of staked this claim uh you know off the coast and just uh, you know killed i think six people over the course of two weeks or something and behaved in a way that even now was totally unexplainable and this the author is right and it's a totally true story and the author was sort of writing about the behavior of this great white shark and how even by shark standards it was acting irrationally and like really coming very 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 far inward to try to find victims and for no readily apparent reason it was overly aggressive and he was talking about how all the evidence and you know sort of talking to uh, ichthyologists you know of, of of you know the present that they think the shark was was just crazy and you don't really ever think about animals going crazy like you tend to think that that's a human thing but he said that it was as though a shark had just gone deranged and turned into a serial killer and which is a really that like makes an already terrifying situation even more so but then this sort of in turn reminds me of that that i mean no matter what you try to do no matter how you try to safeguard people no matter what steps you take uh, I mean, there's just folks out there who are just on the verge of snapping like dry twigs at any moment, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I hate to be fatalistic, but I mean, there's crazy people everywhere, man. You can't can't shield yourself from them. Well, there has to be a, a place for these people to go, and we'll have one soon. The new Oregon State Hospital is having its groundbreaking ceremony today. Uh, what it won't have is a swimming pool. They say it's too expensive and too much upkeep. No razor wire either. Uh, the first hospital opened back in 1883. Now, is this a hospital just for the crazy, or yes. is this for the criminally crazy? Uh, it doesn't say. So, it, so it's for crazy of all varieties. They're going to have treatment malls where patients will gather during the day for therapy and meals. Oh, that's a bad idea. Uh, also, uh, basketball courts. They'll have baseball and gardening. It seems like what you probably want to do is take a bunch of crazy people and give them baseball bats. That's not going to turn out poorly in any way. So it's not going to have razor wire? No. Yeah. All right. Where, where and where? This isn't the one in Salem, is it? Yeah. Ah, well, that's a long way away. Yeah. I, they're, they're breaking ground today. That's, I say immediately imagining Michael Myers getting in that station wagon and driving back to Haddonfield. All right. He was doing pretty well last night. Maybe somebody here told him. Is Tim Riley? An Amtrak passenger has been stabbed near the Oregon border. He's 24 years old. He was sleeping. On the Amtrak train, as it came to Klamath Falls. Now, if you're traveling that far south, you know you can expect some problems anyway. Never go to sleep. Stay awake, no matter Especially what you do. Klamath Falls. Yeah. Uh, the suspect 
whose name is Armando Avalas, jumped from the train and suffered a broken ankle. He's from California. He was arrested on charges of attempted murder, parole violation, manufacturing and possession of a dangerous weapon. He's being held in California. The victim, Rodolfo Mariquin of California, was taken to the hospital in Klamath Falls, treated for four stab wounds to the back of his neck. You know, the idea, so he was, so this guy is not an escaped convict, but he was on parole? It doesn't say here. The, the, they had parole violations? Yeah, I'm looking here. So it sounds like he was maybe not on the run. In yeah, other words, parole violation, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I hadn't broken it's out from of California. But see, here's the terrifying thing about that list of crimes. Uh, is that look, people are just effed, man, all of them. I mean, just just as a whole civilization, we are just so fundamentally broken. But this guy, speaking of crazy that you can't control, so this guy, among his other parole violations, is the manufacture and possession of a dangerous weapon, yes? Mm -hmm. So here's the terrifying thing about that. That's a guy who, A, didn't just go out and buy a knife. Seems like you could probably go buy a knife. Probably go to a, probably go to a, you know, the cutlery store, right? Probably go to Kitchen Caboodle today. Get yourself a whole set of knives. Uh, didn't or couldn't buy a gun, but was so deeply determined that he had to have a dangerous weapon, he actually took the time and effort to create one himself. I mean, it's all I can do to get up and microwave a pizza. Uh, that guy's putting into work to actually create his own dangerous weapon. That's a man who's determined to do some killing. So the victim who didn't know the guy that stabbed him said he boarded the train in Eugene, sat next to the crazy man. They spoke briefly. Then the crazy man starts pacing up and down the aisle making this other guy uncomfortable. So the guy who feels uncomfortable switches to another seat, takes a nap. He wakes up with a stark, uh, sharp pain in his back. Oh, come on. And, and the sight of the, the guy running away. So then the guy pulls the emergency brake and jumps from the train. They use some search dogs and catch him. He had a broken ankle. And uh, let's see. He was arrested and taken to Fairchild Medical Center in Eureka. The backpack that the guy left on the train contained a loaded handgun, ammunition, a digital scale, and marijuana. Nah. And while this, uh, the bad guy is recovering in the hospital, he throws a container of urine at a deputy stationed to guard his bedside. Oh, seriously? That guy needs a beating. So now he's being held without bail. I mean, really, throw a jar of whiz at somebody. You need some broken bones. Mm -hmm. that'll, that'll learn you. Uh, two things. One, I'm going to pay extra for business class next time. <laughs> Or maybe just a plastic dome you can be inside of. That'd be nice. I mean, don't you think we are at the point where they ought to start selling some sort of personal safety compartment you can be in? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, really, uh, and I'm only kind of joking about that. It seems like... Okay, I got... Hold on. Like an egg or a bubble. Well, that's exactly... Hold on, I got three things. I had to write down three things here so I don't forget them because they're all fascinating. Safety break. Safety. Well, these are all fascinating topics. Uh, safety break. Maybe it was only two. All right. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, three things here. Here's three observations about this, and then we'll move on. One, it does seem like if they don't sell this already, some company, because, man, you can get rich playing on the fear of the American public, some company ought to start selling. You can't sell Kevlar to the average person because I think that's illegal. I think the... I may be wrong, but I think it's illegal for non-law enforcement folks to own Kevlar because they don't want you getting all Kevlared up and then robbing a bank. Um, but it doesn't doesn't it seem like some company ought to start selling a relatively affordable uh, sort of personal safety device you can wear, something like I'm not chainmail, but you know something like that, like something you can wear under your shirt that if a guy tries to stab you or maybe shoots you from some distance away, maybe either stops or slows the injury. How about a suit of armor? But something, but something like that. It seems like Sharper Image or one of those companies ought to start manufacturing and selling some personal safety 
piece of clothing you can wear that will blunt the the effect of a knife attack, or if you are shot or punched or something, will maybe minimize the injury to some degree. I mean, really, because, look, if you were getting on an Amtrak or, you know, Greyhound, let's say, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I came up to you and I said, look, I see you're going to be riding a Greyhound from here to uh, Tallahassee. I would never ride a Greyhound after the Canadian incident. But see, but that, that's my point. But there's some folks who have to, right? The, the poorest of the poor. And I guess maybe they can't afford Kevlar anyway. So The, the friendless. Yeah. All right. Well, see, so maybe, maybe, the, maybe the market for it wouldn't be using it. Because it does seem like you ought to be able to pay more. If you're going to, how about this, if you're going to be on a train, like in a sleeper car or whatever, uh, it seems like maybe you ought to be able to pay a little more for a sleeper car where you have like a full-on plexiglass like door you can pull closed over your bunk uh, just so nobody can be getting at you. It's just, uh, everybody seems to be crazy, you know, going crazy like a faster rate than ever before. Second, what happens when you pull that safety brake on a train? I guess it stopped it. So I wonder about that because, you know, you always see that safety brake in a train and you kind of wonder like, I don't know what it's like to pull that. And you see the sort of the glass that is perforated so you can easily smash it and then pull the handle. Because all I know about safety brakes on trains is what I've seen in old Warner Brothers cartoons where Sylvester is chasing Tweety around and they keep pulling the, the handle over and over again. So does that s- stop the train or at least apply the brakes immediately? Or does it just signal the conductor? Probably signals the conductor. And then maybe he decides whether to hit the brakes? Yes. All right. Third thing, let me ask you this. Do you now, looking back in your own past, either Tim or Sarah... Looking back in your own lives, do you think of people or remember people that in retrospect were probably crazy and probably dangerous, and you kind of go, it's kind of lucky that guy didn't kill me? Anybody? I work with people who I thought were. Really? Is that true? Yes. Uh, do I know any of them? Yes. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, oh, yeah. We're trying to do the lip reading thing, and I can't. I don't know. Tim's going to write it down. Okay. See, I wouldn't think of anybody we worked with. Oh, yeah. Wait, let me see. Who? I don't even know who that is. Yes, you do. Oh, oh, don't, oh, yeah, no, he's dangerous. Yeah. Oh, no, you're he's right dangerous. about that. No, we'll see him be in handcuffs someday. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm thinking about specifically back when I used to live in Washington State when I was first living out on my own. There are lots um, of Bremerton, like, like meth head crazy people. Well, and I, I mean, who wouldn't be in eastern Washington? Why would you not be there? Just waking up every day and Shahala's going, oh, man, I don't know. I have to suffer, so will everybody else. Uh, I remember when I was out living on my own, uh, and it wasn't really on my own because the first place I lived was with a woman who had, uh, as Roger Miller would say, a room to let. And so there was this crazy woman who is her own different story that I won't even talk about. There's a crazy woman who had a couple rooms she was letting. And I had one for uh, not very much, like maybe uh, maybe 175 bucks, 150 bucks, something like that. It was just a room in her house. So there was there. And then there was another guy who lived in the basement. And when I first moved in, it sounds made up, you know, crazy guy in the basement. But when I first moved in, she's like, and, um, you know, that's, uh, what, what shall I call him? We'll call him Tom. She said, well, that's Tom. And, uh, you know, he, he lives down in the room in the basement. And, um, you know, he's a little odd, but I think he's okay. You know, he just, uh, sometimes, you know, he'll do weird things like just giggling for no reason. Or, uh, you know, sometimes if you're watching the TV with him, sometimes, um, you know, he'll just look over and he'll just be kind of looking at you for a long time. And But I think he's just, you know, he's just a little odd. But, you know, but looking back, Tom wasn't a little odd. Tom was crazy. And I do remember at least one moment where, and by the way, Tom was 
He wasn't one of God's special children, but he did sort of act that way sometimes. So it's not like he had any friends over, no ladies coming to visit, at least not, you know, at least not with the, without the aid of some duct tape. But I do remember a couple of times waking up in the middle of the night, and then this guy Tom, who lived in the basement below my room, would just be laughing hysterically to himself in the middle of the night. TV not on, and it's not like he read. So he would just be sitting there alone in his darkened bedroom, laughing hysterically in the middle of the night. So I moved out of that place pretty quickly. But looking back, that's really creepy. I'm surprised he didn't have a whole collection of heads in a bowling bag or something. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, two men are dead after a crash on the St. John's Bridge. Another man, a passenger in the car, is at a Portland hospital for unknown injuries. The Ford Explorer was speeding across the St. John's Bridge when the driver lost control, flipped the car down into a nearby hillside. That caused the gas tank to rupture, and it set on fire. They haven't been able to identify those who are in the car. Well, for obvious reasons. Uh, from Washington comes word some elementary school parents are questioning the use of a surface called crumb rubber in a new playground there. Crumb rubber? Crumb rubber. The rubber particle surface contains petroleum and 49 chemicals that have been known to cause cancer. Uh, European countries have banned crumb rubber. And some U.S. states are considering doing so, just not in Washington State yet. Crumb rubber. I barely knew her. So go play for now, kids, and don't worry about it. Wait, is crumb rubber that stuff? Wait, you said this is only in Washington? Crumb rubber. Is, is that like the stuff they have at, um, what is that park on uh, 2026th and Powell? You know what I'm talking about? Right across from the Burgerville? Is that on the east side? Yes, it is. I wouldn't know. There's that park. Oh, the one across from the, um, the, the high school right there? Yeah, it's across from, uh, I don't remember what it's, it's right at Caddy Quarter to Cleveland High yeah. and by the Chaos Cafe. And I think that might be what they have. I don't really know, but I think that might be what they have. All right, here's Tim Riley. So apparently, uh, Jessica Beale is uh, being forced to deny a report she's expecting her first child with Justin Timberlake. What, really? The, wait, with Justin Timberlake? It's an yeah, they've been dating for a long time. I didn't know that. And, you know, I don't find her all that hot anyway. Uh, I don't either. You know, Maybe didn't. Uh, the. Uh, I mean, this. I guess really, if you're going to reveal though that you have a kid, this is the time to do it because you're going to be under the sort of you'll be the Bristol Palin flak jacket. Uh, you can reveal probably you can reveal anything right now. I mean, Brad Pitt could reveal that he was uh, you know that he was D.B. Cooper, and it wouldn't they're not going to get any attention because it's all Palin this week. Here's Tim Riley. A paraplegic has been sentenced to 15 months in prison for causing two crashes, one of them in which he drove the wrong way. Lane County DA's office at 57-year-old Robert Gene Lyons of Springfield had a blood alcohol content of 0.24%, three times the legal limit. He's a paraplegic, and he drives using hand controls. He pled guilty last month to driving under the influence of alcohol, hit and run recklessly, endangering another person, and assault. Is he footloose and fancy-free? I suppose he is, yes. I'm sorry, I stole that from Shane Bindrell. Well, let's see what else. Oh, uh, Oregon will now allow pets in state yurts. In state what? Yurts. What? What's a yurt? Please What's a explain. Yurt? A yurt is a. Uh, it's kind of a platform with a tent on top. A of yurt it. is a hick term, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I think it's an Indian term. Really? Yurt doesn't doesn't yurt sound like something that you know, that like uh, Ethel and Buck down at the general store would be talking about? I'll see yurt tonight. Yeah, exactly. Is. Doesn't doesn't I was just gonna say doesn't yurt yurt sounds like yurt is to is to you or your as ute is to youth. Mm-hmm. That's what that sounds like there. It sounds like a little bit of a Damon Runyon thing. So the uh, yurt designed for pets will be at the South Beach State Park, two miles south of Newport. One pet-friendly cabin will be at the Stubb Stewart State Park. So there's a yurt at Stubb. No, his name is Stubb Stewart. Oh, there's a guy named Stubb. Yeah. Two Bs or one? Uh, one B. Actually, I think he's dead. They named it after him. Stubb? 
I, maybe that's his wife's pet name for him. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how are you? What's up? Uh, I'm 35 now, and I'm married, and I have a respectable job. And back in the day, in my early 20s, I hang out with some unsavory characters that all wore matching jackets and rode motorcycles, and I wonder why I'm not dead or in prison. And so now, do you have a specific crazy story, or is this just a sort of a general look back and you realize that you probably ought to be dead? Just a general look back at the law or two I may have or may not have fractured and wondering why I'm not dead or injured yet. Well, it is. I think, uh, I forget who it was that actually said this. Dave Marsh or somebody was talking about this, and he said that, you know, at the time when these things are happening, you know, like when you're living dangerously or, you know, like if you get mugged or, you know, any any sort of thing like that that is dangerous, you often don't think about it at the time. And it really, like this it, this Tom guy who lived in the basement and cackled and I think probably had a chainsaw. Like You're not really scared at the time, but you look back Sort of with the endless wisdom of hindsight, you go, Jesus, that was insanely exactly. What the hell was I doing? And, Rick, yeah. your show is the best show ever. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Are you spreading the word? Your show, yes. Are you? Okay. No, 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 no. What? No? Are you spreading the word? <laughs> I was trying to do a little alley-oop there. Thank you very much. All right, thank oh, you. And, Rick? Yeah, see, that didn't. There's no grace to that one. Here's Tim Riley. So, so here's a little story. That's buried deep inside the newspaper where nobody's going to read it. And it says here, There is a possibility American combat troops could be out of Baghdad by next summer. The top U.S. commander in Iraq tells London's Financial Times, declining violence in Baghdad could make that happen. So we'll see. They have, quote, a degree of hope, unquote. I don't, uh, I mean, this is dangerous territory to, to, to walk into, A, because I don't know what I'm talking about, and B. We'll be, say it anyway. No, because, and then we, we don't care. Bogged down in a whole lot of, you know, the, the, you know the, the talk about the war and whatever. And I, and just, you know, frankly, there was enough of that last night. And we'll talk more about last night. We got the, we'll, we'll talk about their about little the wagon. War? Man, well, we'll, 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 do, we'll do that when we do it. But, yeah. I guess when they say, because it's what, September now? They're saying we might be we might begin to leave Baghdad by next summer? Yes. Maybe I just sort of uh, fell off the rutabaga wagon, but I don't really understand why we got to wait till next summer. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, they always say that thing about how the, what is it, the, the, like the, the 52nd Airborne or the 72nd Airborne, whatever it is, can be anywhere in the world in 48 hours? Yes. If we can be somewhere in 48 hours, we can be out of somewhere in 48 hours. I mean, really, I don't mean to, be, to sound like I'm oversimplifying it. But, I mean, the United States has the greatest military force in the history of, of mankind, in the history of civilization. Mankind. And we, we, I mean, we have all of this transportation technology. We have a technological advancement that is beyond the wildest imaginings of even the most ambitious sci-fi author of 50 years ago. And now we're going to give a billion dollars to Georgia I mean, for some and, unknown reason. And so we've got, yeah, we've, we've got all of this stuff. And clearly we're not averse to spending money in Iraq because that's really all. As I mean, long as it's not here at home. Because we're just throwing money into, into that hole just over and over and over and over again. So it's not like we've got some problem with like laying down the cash for it. So maybe not within 48 hours, but I really honestly don't understand. Even if we had 500,000 guys over there, I don't understand why within 90 days everybody can't be on a plane, all the planes in the air, all the tanks on a ship, all the ships in the water coming back home. I mean, because really, what's going to be fixed next summer that's not fixed now? It's not going to be fixed. It's the Middle East. It's never going to work. It's never going to function properly. It's effed. It's always going to be effed. Well, there's no love there. No, there isn't, Tim. Donde esta la amor, Tim? That's what I want to know. Here's Tim Riley. So beer cakes are becoming the prime target for thieves, but it's not for the brew inside. No, no. The stainless steel cakes fetch between $30 and $35 as scrap metal, and they cost $150 to replace. 
The industry estimates that 300,000 kinks disappear each year. That's a $50 million loss that is paid by increases in the price of your every glass of beer like that would stop anybody. In Cincinnati, some beer distributors are putting GPS units into their kegs to keep track of them. Uh, also, it could cause steel prices to go up. Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, a yurt is a felt-covered hut, Tim, just in case you want to know. The ones here didn't work. The one that uh, the stub park isn't. No. Wait, now here we go. Let's see. Here's, uh, you know what? I realize I'm getting conflicting definitions of what a yurt is. Stop. I don't care. I just, and, there's, and probably no one cares, really. No. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Except for the people whose dogs are sleeping there. I have two Iowa stories for some reason today, and both made nat- uh, national news. Uh, a man was arrested after he allegedly responded to someone telling him to get a job by picking up a folding chair and striking another man with it three times. Colville Police. That sounds like a nice place to live. Colville Police responded to a fight in progress and arrested a man to charge him with assault. According to police reports, the suspect was drinking beer with a friend when the uh, the victim, whose name is not being published, told the suspect to get a job. The man then allegedly picked up a folding chair and whacked him over the head with it. He's being held on $2,000 bail. Also from Iowa City, the police there say a man was uh, driving drunk and trying to bribe a police officer with a sandwich. <laughs> the 25-year-old man charged with drunk driving early Sunday after the officer saw him driving with his headlights off and pulled him over. The man was uh, riding with a police officer in the squad car, but he offered the officer free submarine sandwiches if he could go home. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Republican uh, convention last night. Uh, what else is coming up? We'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins later on, uh, Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, and Top 5 and more State of the Rick Emerson Show returns momentarily. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll also have uh, today's top five. We'll move it up in the rotation today. Move it up early so we can get to it. Uh, let's see. We'll also have Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, and so forth. This is Tim Riley. So let's talk about this uh, convention. Let's. Uh, first of all, Ron Paul held his own in Minneapolis last night at the Target Center. Uh, apparently, he's not going to let his supporters down. I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't Target, at least. It was an actual Target yeah. center. Yeah. Uh, he courted more than 11,000 supporters for his own event, which was separate from the Republican National Convention. And now we've had a grand three days, and we're climaxing that campaign right now. And there's every reason in the world for us to be energized. I'm crazy. Right. How many people were there, does it say? That's it. 11,000. 11,000 people. Well, you know, yeah. you know, you know, the thing about Ron Paul supporters is Ron Paul supporters are like, uh, this sounds like a weird comparison, uh, but with the Ron Paul supporters are in a way sort of like those weird, like the Weird Al uh, folks, you know, everybody, and I, I was one of them, you know, went to see Weird Al a couple weeks ago, um, where it's just, no matter what happens, the tides go up and down, things change, things shift, uh, 
folks who are in the guys like Ron Paul are always going to be in the guys like Ron Paul. And every year, you're going to find that 10 or 15,000 people that show up to see like Harry Brown or somebody run for president. So, well, it is a free country, I suppose. So, John McCain has uh, landed at the convention, and he hugged his running mate, Sarah Palin, who's uh, apparently, according to the Republican, she's known back home as Sarah Barracuda. And her uh, no, she's not. Daughter, You're well, making that up. Well, they made that up. And uh, he uh, hugged her pregnant daughter and shook the hand of the 17-year-old husband to be. So I'm looking at this. Have you seen the photo of it? Yeah, I have. I'm looking at the photo right now of John McCain shaking the hands of whatever his name is, Lehi, Nehi, Levi. Levi. Um, so it's John McCain shaking the hand of Levi, whatever his name is, and Bristol Palin is sort of in the background. And John McCain, first of all, looks more like a zombie than ever before in this photograph. I mean, like, you listen closely, you can almost hear him lusting for spinal fluid. Where did you find that photo? Somebody sent it to me. Okay. Uh, also, the, uh, the Levi... He says this nonsense is over. And he said that to who? To Levi? Uh, to everyone. To everybody. Well, that's certainly not... What nonsense is he referring to? I don't know, but it's not over. Um, and, and But the photo is just filled with all kinds of weirdness and tension and awkwardness and hilarity. So uh, I'm sure that'll be uh, posted online for folks to see any any moment now. Uh, then uh, Bristol Palin's uh, baby daddy is psyched to be a father, says his pal. The uh, the hockey jock who... Uh, Can we please stop affixing the word hockey in front of everything? I know. It just makes it, it all seem more brainless. It, seriously, I mean, it just, I'm so... I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. <laughs> Apparently he is psyched to be a baby daddy, say his pals. So we don't know which <laughs> pals came up with this. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, he is psyched to be a father, said Blake Wyland. I mean, he loves the idea of being a father and raising a child. Sure. Okay, where did they find this? Person? Love it now. So uh, he was a hockey star at uh, Wasilia Alaska High School. We can start putting everything in the past tense, I think, for uh, for young Levi. Uh, then we have Sarah Palin, who revealed on uh, Monday that her 17-year-old daughter is pregnant. Earlier this year, used her line item veto to slash funding for an Alaskan state program to benefit teen mothers in need of a place to live. How well, good for you. Uh, she uh, reduced or eliminated funding programs she opposed, anking her uh, initials to the legislation, reducing funding for the Covenant House Alaska by more than 20%, cutting funds from $5 million to $3.9 million. Covenant House is a mixture of uh, programs and shelters for troubled youth, including Passage House, a transitional home for unwed mothers. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I... Man, you know, I gotta just tell you this, and maybe it was the same for you guys yesterday. I mean, we heard from you know the people calling about all day yesterday. And the thing is, she speaks tonight, so it's all on her for tonight. Uh, I mean, tonight is sort of for all the marbles, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But I'll just say that everywhere I, everywhere I went yesterday, it's all anybody wanted to talk to me about. It is the only thing anybody wanted to discuss. Didn't matter where I was. Upstairs, I was in the sales office at one point. Lacey, uh, Lacey Turner called me in the hallway and asked me, she's like, what about Sarah Palin? I went to the Court and Fatboy are prepping for their show. I walk in and there was a conversation already going on between Lisa Wood, Court, Fatboy, Chris Paddock, and, uh, and Crystal, who works on KUFO. I mean, they were all embroiled in that. Uh, I, I went, I went home. It was all Laura wanted to talk about. I mean, it is, I mean, probably, with the exception of the nomination of Barack himself, it is the biggest story out of this election. I mean, Barack is the biggest story, but she's a close second. I mean, it's already, it already, I think, it was maybe the second or third biggest story of the year, hands down. So getting back, John Voigt has agreed to narrate a short video about Sarah Palin's life and political career at the convention tonight. Uh, Boyd said he's honored to introduce her. I wanted so much that this uh, person be properly introduced because I'm crazy about her. Yeah. Uh 
Uh-huh. He says Barack Obama and his men and ladies are extremists, and his platform is built on socialist programs. His associations have all been in an extremist category, and, and, and if he comes in, you can bet. And, and he's stated his programs. They're all socialist programs. <laughs> Really? Is that part of the uh, Barack platform? Yes. I'm going to bring socialism and creeping communism to this country. Uh, you know, it's funny that John Voight is going to be the guy narrating the... Uh, normally, they can only ever find Ron Silver for that. Like, Ron Silver is one of the very few actors they can sort of... Which is great, because he played a, a Democratic operative on the on the West Wing. Right. Uh, but they can usually dig up Ron Silver to do this kind of stuff. He's a big, screaming Republican. It is. It's interesting. I was talking to Susan about this. That you watched the Democrat or the Republican convention last night, and either because they were not in attendance or because they do not wish to highlight them, did you notice Tim before you had to turn off your television and horror and disgust? Did you notice that they didn't show any celebrities last night? Really? No. I mean, you know, the Democratic convention. I was like, you couldn't turn the camera six inches. Hey, there's Rosario Dawson in a tight shirt. You know, just every they, they kept showing one person after another from Hollywood, from the world of music, whatever. And so either those people just aren't at the Republican convention, or more likely, the Republicans just got some whole thing about, like, don't show them, you know, because they're the party of the people, uh, and so forth. So it's interesting that they've got John Voight, who came to prominence playing a gay hustler, uh, to narrate the intro video for Sarah Palin. So here comes the, uh, well, one of the several weird parts of this. Fred Thompson. I mean, really? I mean, what century is he living in? Uh, he spoke last night to those who care to watch the whole thing, and uh, he defended McCain's selection of a uh, running mate. Some Washington pundits and media big shots are in a frenzy over the selection of a woman who has actually governed rather than just talk the good game on the Sunday talk shows and hit the Washington cocktail circuit. You should go whittle a stick, friend. Then this sound like a rocking chair and, <laughs> and churn some butter. Does <laughs> it sound like his mouth is all gummed up? It sounds. It sounds like he's missing. Uh, missing. Sounds like he's missing. That was a little karma right there. Sounds like he's missing like, either his upper or his lower plate. Sounds like he's. Uh, he's got some chaw stuck in the back of it. Like he, it sounds like he can't quite open his mouth all the way. Barack Obama's incompetent to deal with America's problems. To deal with these challenges, the Democrats present a history-making nominee for president. History-making in that he's the most liberal, most inexperienced nominee to ever run for president. Meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani compared <laughs> Governor Palin's experience to Senators Barack Obama and Joe Biden. She's taken on corrupt Republicans in her state, which as a former U.S. attorney, I really uh, admire. I know how, how tough it is. Went right after some of the corrupt Republican establishment of the state, threw them out of office. A lot of people care what he has to say, don't they? I just, I don't even know where to begin with all this. I mean, I just, I have no, first of all, I mean, Rudy Giuliani, who is nobody's idea of sane or balanced uh, in many ways, it's, you know, you look at him now, and he just seems like he seems like such a competent, rock-solid choice by comparison. I mean, it's all relative. I will also say this, and admittedly, I'm a little biased because you know I was pushing real hard for Hillary because I was hoping she'd sort of just break the whole system in half. But the other, I think they were talking. It was on CNN. They were doing some. Um, they were doing some, you know, women in politics thing about, you know, talking about the, from, you know, the the um, uh, the suffragists all the way through, you know, to, to Geraldine Ferraro, to Christy Todd Whitman, to, you know, to, to uh, Hillary Clinton, then to Sarah Palin. And they were talking about women trying to run for president or women being on the vice presidential ticket. And they, cut, they, they had Sarah Palin talking. And, you know, Sarah Palin was saying whatever it is. She was saying whatever it is Sarah Palin to be. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. And then they cut to Hillary Clinton talking. 
And, man, it's, it's like night and day. I mean, regardless of whether you agree with anything Hillary Clinton does, regardless of whether you think Hillary Clinton is the Antichrist or you think that she's going to bring the red menace here to our shores, just in terms of, like, substance and the sense that she knows what she's doing, I mean, the contrast could not have been more clear in the sense that you get from Sarah Palin compared to the sense that you get from Hillary Clinton. I mean, you get the feeling that Hillary Clinton really does have a, a rock-solid foundation in knowing what she wants to get done, even if you think it's the wrong thing to do. You know, and Sarah Palin just seems, Sarah Palin just seems like she ought to be off stitching something. You know what I mean? She's, she seems like she ought to be sitting around... Peeling apples on the porch. Well, you know, as Joni said, this is Joni DeRoshi, a woman who said this. Joni said, this is, I, I have to paraphrase and I'm going to mangle it. I told her last night, I said, you ought to write this down. Joni said something to the effect of, she said... Sarah Palin reminds me of why I don't ever join the PTA, because the PTA is filled with women by like Sarah Palin who sit around drinking decaf lattes, talking about their stitch and bitch sessions and, play, stitch and, bitch sessions and playing bunko with each other in the suburbs. And I mean, that's totally it, right? right? I mean, she looks like she looks like sort of a bad high school production of Wisteria Lane. I mean, that's it. So We have more. Uh, Laura Bush showed up. And she says she's very proud of Republican women. Women have always played an important role in our party, from energizing grassroots to driving policy. Thank you to the dedicated women in our audience for making the Republican Party so strong. Let's not forget Laura Bush excelling in the all-important killing your ex-boyfriend category. She did it the first time, too. She didn't have to roll over him a second time. She is an overachiever. <laughs> she is. Uh, Mrs. Bush is proud of her husband. George remains a man of strong values with uh, enduring love for the United States of America. Who? Well, the irony of it is there was a video to honor President Bush. Well, not the current one, but the old one. Yes, there was a video tribute. The first President Bush. The first President Bush. Another who put countries first. Let's emphasize, it's not the second President Bush. The first President Bush. <laughs> Another who put countries first. You get the feeling that W is sort of the middle child. You know what I mean? It's like they got the, you know, they got Bush 41, uh, and then they have, you know, whoever it's going to be this time around. And George W. Bush is sort of the, uh, you know, he's the sort of Zeppo, you know, the whole thing. Um, so let me just get to some of these notes from last night, and then I'm sure you got more. Um, it was, you know, just got to be. We'll talk a little bit about tonight because uh, Sarah Palin's going to be talking tonight, which is, I mean, the, the whole thing is up for grabs. If she, I will tell you this right now, before we plunge any further, if Sarah Palin blows it tonight, it's over. I mean, it, as over as it seems now to a lot of people, because the thing about it is, is she went from having no profile. I mean, she was a totally blank canvas to only. So in other words, we went from not knowing anything about her to only knowing. Uh, that she has um, a pregnant daughter and, you know, and, and, and a lot of sort of Internet scandal and controversy about it. So she went from being blank to only being scandal-ridden. So tonight, if she really nails it, who knows? Maybe she's a good public speaker. I mean, her speech might be exceptional. If she really nails it tonight, she will be, I would say, able to gain a few points or at least not dig herself in any further. In other words, you know, there's, a, there's a moderate upside to her. But if she screws up tonight, that's it. I mean, she's gotten the one strike already. She's already come out of the gate kind of looking bad with a sort of a, kind of a black mark against her name or at least a sort of, you know, at least a certain sort of um, controversial fuzziness about her about her candidacy. 
But if she screws it up tonight, she's host. I mean, she'll. I'm even going to sit at home and watch this tonight. Yeah. I want to see. I remember watching all the speeches last year. And I mean, she's got to nail it. And if she nails it, there'll be, I think, some small bump for them. But the potential downside is so much more drastic than the potential upside. If she does exceptionally, they'll gain a little. If she does badly, they are done. What do you think? They are done. She could end up with, uh, you know, on Dancing with the Stars or something. Well, that's, but you know, but she'll end up being like Lana Guineer. I mean, you remember her? She was uh, when she Clinton's nominee for Attorney General, and oh, it yeah. turns out she had the nanny problem, uh, the undocumented worker. Uh, and so, but you look at you look at Lonnie Guineer, you look at Jocelyn Elders, uh, you look at uh, any of those sort of prominent women. Don't who, forget Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers, who uh, John Edwards, who had the promising gig or looked like they were going to get the promising gig, they get bounced out, you know, and then they just end up on the rubber chicken circuit, you know, for like the rest of their life. I would say if I had to lay money right now, we'll see what Lisa feels about this later on in KCMD Portland. Um, I would say if we had to, if we had to lay money. On this right now, how do we feel like she's going to do in terms of going up there and giving a strong speech and not mucking it up? Mm. Tim, fifty-fifty. I say, 50/50. I say about fifty-fifty. Yeah. Sarah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really kind of clueless. I just want to watch it and see. I mean, apparently they say that she is a strong speaker with crowds, and you're going to have to sort of. Uh, I think, at least for me, when I'm watching, it, I think I'll have to learn to separate kind of what she's saying from how she's saying it, because obviously you know, it's going to be much of Republican red meat. Sounds good. The crowds be in the last crowds of Canadian geese. <laughs> I mean, she's just, I mean, I think she's just going to be, she, the content, obviously, will just be talking points. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. But, but it's going to be how she connects with the crowd and whether she says anything that is flat out weird, embarrassing. Here, but the real question, as much as people don't want this to be the case, and there's sort of, I don't know, there's the moral safeguarders who are uh, emailing me yesterday, I am appalled that you were talking about the gossip and scandal with Sarah Palin, you know, whatever. Um, the question will be whether she does that thing of sort of, sort of trying to comically address and then get out of the way the issue of her daughter. You know what I mean? Um, because that's one thing that Republicans do really well, is they sort of address some of the problems they've had in the past, but they do it comically to try to sort of get it out of the spotlight. And so she will talk about, like, she might say something like this. It's just Into the wild. She'll say, she'll say something like, uh, you know, and, you know, I believe that we need to safeguard all the amendments. We need to safeguard the Second Amendment, blah, blah, blah. I know how to shoot moose. We need to safeguard the First Amendment because a free press is important, if often unpleasant. Ha, 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 from the crowd. And then she can move on. And then it sort of addresses the issue, gets it off the table. And look, she's a good sport. So I think they'll probably do that. The, the problem is, this came up so quickly did they have enough time to really prep her well? You know, I don't really know about that. But he, listen to this. This is an interesting thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that this is true, but I, this person has no reason to lie. Uh, Rick, uh, Fox News this morning. They were talking to the author of a book called Sarah: How a Hockey Mom Turned Alaska's Political Establishment on Its Ear, published in April 2008. So. That's interesting. But you've got to wonder if maybe that was a little bit of a vanity pressing because Sarah Palin herself was trying to push her. She was trying to push her way into contention. Uh, you know, and I think How we, could that have sold up there? One. One. Uh, and, but I think we all know that that's a thing that happens, and certainly Republicans don't have a lock on that. I mean, really, do you know anybody that went out and bought, like, the case for change or whatever the hell that Obama book was? Fates oh. of our fathers or flags of our somethings, whatever it was. You know, and Al Gore had the earth in the balance. No one bought that unless you were, you know, going to PSU. Uh, every time Bill Clinton it wrote it wrote books, Hillary Clinton had the takes a village to raise a child. Nobody buys these books. 
Uh, and probably in most cases, the candidates don't even really write them. They have ghost writers create them and then they put on the market so they can look like deep thinkers and to make themselves seem like viable, nuanced candidates. So it probably is the case that Sarah Palin was putting herself into the hat for vice president by getting this book out there that tries to make her look like she's all deep and whatnot, which she almost certainly isn't. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, uh, I made some notes to myself about Sarah Palin. Oh, just that, and maybe this is just me, but when Sarah Palin comes on the screen, I get kind of embarrassed for all of us. I mean, for her, for me, for watching, for our nation. And the thing you can say about Obama and Biden, you know, when they were talking at the Democratic Convention, no matter what anybody thinks about their positions or their platform, they're not embarrassing. You never watch Joe Biden speak, or Barack Obama, certainly, and you never have that anticipatory cringing of like, oh, God, please don't say nuclear. Please don't say something dumb. Please don't be embarrassing. And those guys open their mouth and they talk, and, you know, they certainly seem very respectable, even if you don't agree with them. And I think, I think Americans are ready for a president that doesn't seem like an idiot. And a president that you're not, you know what it is? It's like, it's like when you're throwing a dinner party. And, like, your spastic six-year-old comes out from upstairs, and he's supposed to be asleep. But he comes down, and you're just like, oh, God, please don't wet yourself. Please don't come down and say that you made a number two in your bed. Please don't come down and ask a question about your penis in front of all my friends. That's what George W. Bush has been for a long time. And, you know, McCain is the same way, because McCain is nobody's idea of a polished speaker. I mean, McCain just flubs and stumbles and stammers and transposes whole sentences. And Sarah Palin does seem to have a little bit of that awkwardness when she speaks. Um... Let's see. Um, that beauty photograph of Sarah Palin, that black and white photograph of her with the big dynasty hair, uh, that's going to be a thing that's not going to help her because they're going to they're going to put that in every TV ad, you know, everywhere. In terms of experience, and then they cut to Sarah Palin looking like she stepped off the set of Knott's Landing. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Sarah Palin saying, um, Sarah Palin, they, they, that thing of her firing a gun. And then the analyst on CNN was saying, well, she's going to appeal to a lot of those people who vote because of uh, her stance on guns and so forth. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I am not anti-gun. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of photos of Sarah firing an AK-47. We used to be sponsored by a machine gun dealer, so I have no problem with that. But really, who votes based on guns? That's like voting based on toasters. I mean, you know, because of her strong stand on the waffle iron, I feel that she's going to do really well in the Northwest. Who votes on a gun? That's dumb. That's like voting based on light bulbs. Alaska has never had a terrorist attack. Uh, the and the idea and plus you know like just it, talking about the really really hardcore gun freaks like the guys who are in some sort of a cabin in Montana because they think the man's after them. They all cling to the Second Amendment because they have this idea that, a, that the guns are necessary to prevent the government from you know to, to, from getting you. In 2008, the notion that if you got a handgun, you're going to stop the federal government from coming in and getting you is just retarded. If the government wants to get you, you will be gotten. And you, you and all your guns, uh, you and Mr. Smith and Wesson are not going to stop that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I wrote this down. Note to self. I think Laura Bush might have been hot once. I do think that's true. I think that Laura Bush, probably you take 30, 35 years off of her, I think she was probably sexy. Um, do you have more, more stuff about the convention? Yes. Fantastic. Let's do some more, and then I'll give you some more notes. Hey, Richie? Um, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Also, uh, Richie, we are going to need to either delay or perhaps bump till tomorrow today's birth of a salesman uh, candidate. So my apologies to whoever that was supposed to be. We'll either have to do it later today or we'll do it uh, tomorrow. We're just, uh, we got a lot of stuff to get through. The Here's, position remains open. Here's Tim Riley. So not all African Americans are going to vote for Barack Obama. A member of the Georgia delegation says uh, he's supporting uh, John McCain and Sarah Palin. Willie Hinton 
Or is that Willie Horton? Oh, it can't be Willie Horton. Uh, Willie Hinton says he is uh, a GOP man, and he's proud of it. There's a serious conservative strain running through the black community, and the difficulty seems to be is mustering the courage to admit that that conservative streak is there. There we have a Kristen Fife, a spokeswoman for the right-leaning Culture and Media Institute. She thinks the liberals are trying to dig up the dirt on Sarah Palin, and she will address those issues this evening. She would do herself and the Republican Party a huge service if she just said, hey, you know what, I've got a family, I'm a working mom, we've got some things that we're facing, but we're facing them together as a family, and that fundamentally is what Family Values is all about. Are all about. Uh, Republican Senator Sam Brownback of Kansas says her spunkiness is one reason why Sarah Palin will appeal to women. Reform agenda, uh, the difficulties of struggling and raising a family, five children. I mean, I think they would identify very much with her. Her spunkiness. Her spunkiness? Uh, like my office was looking, I like that woman. She's spunky. I hate spunk. Uh, Brownback cites examples of uh, Palin's foreign policy experience. Apparently, she dealt with uh, Canada before. And military issues with Alaska's National Guard. Lisa's dealt with Canada on a bilateral relationship, deals with energy issues internationally, uh, has worked on um, uh, military issues for as far as from a National Guard perspective, and, and you don't have any of that with Barack Obama. What? I don't know. I just about halfway through my brain got all fuzzy. Uh, so then we have uh, Newsmax.com, which is a, a, a crazy right wing uh, website. Uh, their columnist, uh, James Herson, calls the personal attack beyond anything imaginable. This is terribly unfair, so it creates what is called a false light. The words lies and scandal, accompanied by the picture, make it imply that it's one of those scandals that you normally find in a tabloid, and it's highly irresponsible. He's talking about uh, Us Weekly. He says they made up all these stories. Oh, it's absolutely not to be trusted because there's no scandal and there's no lies involved in this thing. And this is a critical period where the public is getting introduced to Sarah Palin. And these folks apparently want to define her early. Well, I think probably the only lie would be, A, that abstinence education works, uh, which is a thing that she proposes. And I think also... I mean, you know, the thing, somebody, I got an email here from somebody who, I, I can't tell if they're being sort of ironic or not, uh, but this guy says, Rick, if I hear you correctly, are you saying Sarah Palin should be in the kitchen barefoot? So I can't tell if that's, if the person's being sarcastic or not, but I will say this, there are people who look uh, like they're ready, uh, you know, to, to be vice president, and there are people who look like they're headed to a PTA meeting. Hillary Clinton uh, you know, looks like she's uh, ready to be the vice president. Sarah Palin looks like she's ready to go to Starbucks and read Shopaholic. That's what she looks like. I mean, that's it. There's just no getting around that. Uh, and you hear her talk, and there's just no... I get no sense of weight or substance, which is fine. Yeah, it's not like I'm ready to be vice president. But on the other hand, uh, I'm not out there saying uh, that I am. And I'm also not out there saying, I have executive experience, which is that phrase that clearly some memo went out to everybody somewhere. Saying, like, look, when everybody points out she doesn't know what she's doing, say she has executive experience because she was governor. You know who else had executive experience was George W. Bush. So, I mean, really, if they want to make that comparison, I guess it's on them. It just seems like a bad way to win. Uh, this says, Rick, do we know what time Sarah Palin is speaking tonight? I don't want to have to slog through a whole bunch of crap to see it. That's a good point. Tim, do we know? I would say probably around that. I'll double check. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Rick, I don't think she has a chance of nailing tonight's speech with that voice in which she says, I'm a hockey mom. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. 
She says you have to admit, here's a really good one. He says you have to admit she is the Britney Spears of politics with all the redneckiness and underage pregnancy around her and whatnot. That's really true. Uh, let's see. Rick, uh, you and Joni, it was really Joni who did this, completely nailed it with Sarah Palin as PTA mom. Uh, she reminds me of every raving evangelical mother of every sheltered kid I grew up with who were all completely shocked, by the way, when their kid became pregnant or addicted to drugs. Uh, so, uh, there you go. All right, well, let's, uh, before we continue with more of this, so let's do, uh, uh, some of these phone calls. I got some more notes, uh, and we'll do more news with Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Chuck. What's up? Hey, uh, oh, it, a big surprise, there's a news flash. Dennis Miller is supporting Sarah Palin. Uh, Dennis Miller's a, you know, he's a Republican-leaning guy. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, anyway, uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, this year's Saturday Night Live for the first time in years. Because I'm making a prediction. Tina Fey is going to be able to nail, uh, you know, how that character. Totally. Well, she kind of has that Liz Lemon look about her already, as Sarah Palin does. So, well, first of all, everybody, I mean, I guess SNL is, let me just stop. A couple of things. SNL, I guess, is off right now. Although, really, you want evidence that SNL really has, that their day has passed. SNL ought to be coming back from hiatus just to deal with this. Do you know what, uh, what today is Wednesday, right? Do you know yesterday Tom Likas came back from vacation to do his show to talk about Sarah Palin? Likas was on vacation, and he came back. He's like, I was on vacation, but I came back because this has got to be talking. That's what SNL ought to be doing. Because, man, they're getting their asses beaten every single day by The Daily Show and by Stephen Colbert. Every day. Well, and Tina Fey is going to go to the highest bidder. You know, because they look all, they look like sisters. Yeah. Also, well, somebody else, Tim, did you get that email I sent you this morning? Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know if I... Did yeah. I send that to you as well, Sarah? That um, Susan Reynolds is pointing out that Sarah Palin looks like Megan Mullally. Is that her name? From uh, from Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yes. just like a, she, does, she sent me a side-by-side photo. She's like a dead freaking ringer. That is exactly yeah. who I was thinking no, of. No, she is a dead ringer. Yeah. So, all right. There you go. Thank you. Hey, Rick. All right. By the way, and by the way, lest anybody think uh, that sort of my observations about uh, Sarah Palin are limited to the female side of the aisle, you know, it goes for goes for guys too. Man, you, you know, as we said about John Edwards for the longest time, slick though he was, you know, the president is kind of like you're voting for a national dad. And I think as Bill Maher said, John Edwards just never seemed like a national dad. He seemed like kind of your cool uncle uh, that might let you stay up late at night and watch Cinemax. So John Edwards always looked. Uh, like he was headed off to run some sort of an encounter group, like wearing a cable knit sweater and talking to James Hetfield about his feelings. And I think we look back now and you realize he didn't look like a president. So he didn't look like a president. Sarah Palin doesn't look like a vice president. There's just no getting around that. Uh, let's see. Let's see some other things. Notes from last night. So Fred Thompson is an actor, obviously, which is why his speech had a certain amount of power to it. It was, it was at least polished. Although, Jesus, quit clearing your throat every five seconds, Fred Thompson. But they kept saying only the highly anticipated Fred Thompson speech, which is almost certainly not true. He's like the you know the grouchy old grandfather that you try not to see at least once every ten years. Doesn't he look like he ought to be hibernating in a cave somewhere with a bunch of grizzlies? Yeah. I mean, do you look at Fred Thompson? Can't you just sort of see him shambling around on all fours, kind of snipping through a picnic basket somewhere? Um, let's see, what else do I have here? I was watching the instant response on CNN where they have... You know, idiots get in front of their computers and send off like a Twitter message or a text message or something to CNN about. And here on CNN, we're getting the instant feedback of some folks around the country who are watching the convention. Uh, David in this is a real quote, by the way. David in Tucson writes, well, the Republican convention seemed to have a lot more content. It was hard to hear what was going on at the Democratic convention 
with all that loud music going on. There were three different responses last night to CNN from people complaining about it, actually at one point using this phrase, saying, with all that rock and roll they were playing. Um, note to self, and I think somebody else, I think Seamus said this too, that you could do a really brisk business in adult diapers out front of that Republican convention, man. There's nobody there that didn't look like Minnie Pearl. What else? Chris Matthews. Were you watching MSNBC or CNN? CNN. Okay, see, so we switched last night. Because I was watching MSNBC for the most part. Chris Matthews looks bad. That guy looks beat. He looks like Jane North having come in from a windstorm. I don't know what's wrong with Chris Matthews or if Oberman is sort of punching him around when they go to break or something. If Chris Matthews does not look good. Yeah, he looks haggard and ragged and tired and bad. Uh, what else do we have here? So Bush last night. Um, so George Bush spoke via satellite. Note that I'm not saying live via satellite because I don't know that they're actually going to say this, but that, there's no way that was that was live. That was taped. First of all, A, Bush's thing was taped last night, and Lisa really nailed it when she said it was the best of all possible worlds. Oh, for... so Sarah Palin will speak at 9 p.m., which I guess is Eastern time, so that's 6, six. our time. I'm going to get online on TiVo in the next break and set my, uh, set my recorder for it. Uh, so Bush was speaking last night, and it was great for the Republicans because it was like he was there but not there. So like if he, if he started to remind people, of, and I've ruined everything, they could turn it off. But Bush was speaking last night, A, pre-taped. I don't care what anybody says. It wasn't live. And you could tell because the applause and and his, he would say something, and then he would sort of wait for the laugh line, but sometimes he wouldn't wait long enough. Sometimes he would wait way too long, and it would be this awkward silence. So that was obviously taped because he's not very good off the cuff. Also this, I told Joni this last night, that I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist about it, but I don't think it's so outside the realm of possibility when I say this. That applause during Bush's speech was pre-recorded. They were sweetening it with canned applause. I'm not saying people oh, weren't really applauding, but I mean, there's there's no way they were absolutely augmenting his applause with a clap track. Uh, you know, so he would say something, and here's here because here was the giveaway. A, there would be this weird pause sometimes. Like Bush would say something, and you could tell from his inflection and the look on his face that he thought it was a gag line. La 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 la. Islamabad, and then there would be no laughter, and then immediately there would go from being silent to, ah, and then it would just end again. And then sometimes there would be a little bit of crowd applause, and just enough so you could hear it, and then it would spike really quickly, as though somebody in the booth was like, they're not, hit the button, and then they would hit the button. Exactly. That's totally what it is. Um, and so actually to test that theory, I was watching on my computer because my wife was watching 90210. I minimized the window, and I just kind of shut my eyes, and I just listened to it. And I bet you dollars to donuts. It was canned applause during Bush's speech last night. What else do we have? A couple of things. That film they kept rolling up for, they rolled up for Reagan, you know? He was born to a hard-drinking, fast-living, blah, 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 Dutch, blah, 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 Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, blah, 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 mommy, blah, 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 bonzo. Uh, the whole Reagan thing. And I had this realization last night. Anybody can steal this. You can use this as your own. You know what it is? Reagan is to the Republican Party as the Thriller album is to Michael Jackson. Mm. It doesn't matter how it all ended in scandal and shame and failure and just this sort of incoherent babbling and controversy. And doesn't matter how many failures they've had since then. doesn't matter how badly all of the subsequent projects and releases and presidents have sort of screwed things up. Just like Jackson can always roll out that, no, 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 I have the highest-selling album in America. 30 million copies. Beat it. Who loved, You love Billie Jean. Come on. 
That's what the Republicans can always do with it. Doesn't matter how badly uh, Bush has just screwed us over the last eight years. They can always throw up that picture of Reagan, uh, like sitting there with like a kerchief and like waving a cowboy hat or something, or standing at the Berlin Wall, and immediately it's like all sins are forgotten for about thirty seconds. Um, all right, we'll do more from Tim in just a moment. More sound. More. Uh, if you're on hold about uh, Sarah Palin, and I know you are, we'll get your calls in just one second. This, however, from Minneapolis, St. Paul. Or whatever, because I'm noting now in the prep sheet it claims you're in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, hello. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm looking at the CNN prep sheet right now. No lie, I swear to God, September 3rd, 2008, Lisa Desjardins, available from Denver, Colorado. Oh. So there you go. Well, day is young. All right, so um, oh, all right, so what has happened in the 24 hours since we since we last talked uh, that you wish to address? I'll let you kind of steer the boat today. Yeah, you know. As if it matters, first of all, because everyone wants to talk about Sarah Palin. But, you know, I'll give it a shot. Joe Lieberman going after Barack Obama. That was a surprise last night, saying that Barack Obama uh, had basically no achievements in Congress crossing party lines, which I, I can name some that might qualify. So that, that's debatable. And Joe Lieberman, you know, he's not, he's not you know, he's sort of your, your scrawny kid in the corner as far as, you know, going for blood in politics, but yet he... He tried to throw some punches, and I don't know how it's going to work out for him, especially if John McCain doesn't win. You know, the interesting—I was thinking that last night when McCain is speaking. First of all, all issues of partisanship and whatever aside, Joe Lieberman is perhaps one of the least interesting orators who has ever walked this earth. I mean, he is like—he's like some—he's like some inverse of a great orator, where as he speaks, you can actually just almost hear the energy being sucked out of everybody. Oh. Uh, no, it's, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying anything bad about the guy personally. He's a, yeah. he's a terrible speaker, in my opinion. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he was good or bad. Republicans got him. You know, they captured the flag, essentially. But doesn't it seem, and I think, you know, you were sort of talking about this, that he, the thing about Joe Lieberman, it's just sad to me, because it's like he so desperately wants to be popular. And, uh, you know, and it's like the Democrats, it didn't really work out for him, you know, he, he went the independent route, so-called, and now he comes out last night and the Republicans applaud for him, and it's just, Joe Lieberman reminds me of, have you seen the movie 300? Yes. Okay, I forget the guy's name. Joe Lieberman reminds me of the hunched over, like, gnome oh. guy. You know what I mean? The guy who can't be a Spartan. Right. Uh, and, you know, he's just, I, but Leonidas, I only wish to serve. And it's like, Leonidas, I'm sorry, you're, no, you're, you're a freak. Get out of here. And, and then he goes to Xerxes, and Xerxes is like, I will dress you in the, in the greatest finery. You need only kneel before me. And then he shows up later on, and he's got the full battle garb on. That's what Joe Lieberman is, because he's finally found a group of people that'll be like, well, we'll accept you. I, you know, I almost see it the opposite. I almost feel like... Uh, Joe Lieberman kind of it likes the self-inflicted wounds. I feel like, you know, he, he, he didn't necessarily help himself and Al Gore in 2000, especially in Florida, and, you know, at the very end, and when he went on Meet the Press, and, and you know, a lot of people who followed, you know, that whole situation know. Uh, you know but but he, he says he did it because he thought it was the right thing to do. He said what he thought was right. Uh, but but yet he kind of uh, cast himself out, and now I feel like he, he's done it again. He he might have a happy home with Democrats, but he said, no, uh-uh, I'm, I am re- I'm rejecting that possibility of political happiness. Well, you know, the, but he, I was telling us to somebody last... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm done. I was going to say that he, he better hope, though, that the Republicans win, uh, because... That's what everybody's saying, yeah. exactly. If the Democrats win, Lieberman is... He is hosed. Hosed once and for all. 
Um, yeah, especially if the Democrats gain seats in the Senate, because they need him in the Senate right now. Uh, they may not by December. We'll see. Did you, uh, when listening to, uh, to, to Bush speak last night, mm. and this is just a very minor point, did you hear the same thing I heard, which is that they were augmenting his speech with obviously canned applause? I did not hear that. I'm not saying that I know it to be the case, but I will say watching on MSNBC and then flipping back to CNN to sort of make sure that I was getting the same audio feed, it did seem like there was a guy in the booth every now and again uh, sweetening the crowd reaction, which is, I'm sure everybody does it. I'm sure the Democrats did it, too, but it was very obvious last night. It was strange when there was all that laughter after he talked about Hurricane Gustav. Well, it was, you know, and it was obvious. I mean, they can claim it was live, but it obviously was taped, uh, you know, because uh, it's sort of the weird timing, which I think cannot all be blamed on the satellite. Um, Oh, no, maybe. I don't know. I I do think the... um, Angry liberals was, was something new. Uh, well, the um, uh, the angry liberals and then uh, Fred Thompson, who... Angry left. Yeah, it was angry left. Fred Thompson, who, uh, you know, I guess maybe I expected less of because he was so bad on the stump. But, of course, he did give a very powerful speech last night. Yes, I had a feeling he was going to. He did. He really told John McCain's story. Of course, he could have used a glass of water or two. Yeah, he kept clearing his throat. Yeah, I heard uh, somebody on uh, MSNBC, I can't remember who was saying they kept counting it was... Seventy times. Yeah, it was it was bad. No. Uh, he but he was you know he was very powerful and threw probably mo- the most red meat of the night. Yes, yeah, yeah, he did, he did a good. It's tough to do that. Like he did the touching kind of you know the, the manly almost field of dreams. You know, if if I could cry, I would. But I'm right. a man, kind of John McCain stuff. And then also went after Barack Obama with with the other hand. It was pretty pretty amazing. I will say that I know that they've tamped things down a little bit because of the hurricane. But, but last night it was kind of getting into full swing a little bit, and it really does. Maybe this is by design, but the Republican convention just seems so. The production value it just it cannot even. I mean, it's like seeing a bar band standing next to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's not even they're not even in the same they're not even in the same ball game. Even down to how the delegates dress. Now, of course, you're, they're Republicans, so they have the stereotype of the red tie, blue sports coat. Yeah. But the fact is, you know, I have I have yet to see anyone with a sequin vest, and I'm very disappointed in this fact. But not not a single not a single person. And maybe, maybe and there were maybe two people wearing interesting hats, and they both were on CNN repeatedly. I really do have to say, I was watching the Republican convention last night, just looking at the crowd. I did keep waiting for Buck Owens and Roy Clark to come out and lead some sort of sing along where they pay tribute to a tiny town in Iowa, population 600. Salute. I <laughs> salute to you. Uh, I think Sarah Palin. You know, I'm. I'm. I know everybody's calling in about that. I think. I bet you. I think expectations help her. I think. I think she really has been cast as coming out of nowhere. Hasn't been on the national stage a while. I. I think it's going to be hard for her to fail tonight. She's got a great speechwriter. She's been practicing. The. The. I'll tell you what. The Republicans are kind of feeding us as the plot line here that they want to tell you. So I will tell you. Okay. Because that's what they want. Is uh, that she has been working from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day on this speech. The idea there that they're trying to get across is she's sturdy, she's steadfast, she can work on a speech for a long time. Uh-huh. And and that and but that that's what they say has been going on, and they also are saying that to indicate, well, here's why you haven't been seeing her. So we'll see if that work pays off or not tonight. Uh, maybe you... Ah, uh, never mind. Never mind. I'm going to hold myself. I'll save some of the snarking until we're done with this. I don't wish to make you feel awkward. Would that be tomorrow? Oh, until, on the show. Like, no, I just, uh, you know, I got to... That's cool. You don't, you, don't, you don't buy the whole Sarah Palin story? I... Well, you've got to be loving it. I mean, there have been more. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. Rumors and crazy stories coming out of this. And as I was telling our engineer Eric, the funny thing is, 
these rumors, they, almost all of them have been wrong, but almost all of them have been almost right. Well, they've all been plausible. That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, that should be the thing that worries the McCain campaign, is the rumors have been wrong, but they've also been almost immediately believed by any number of people. And I, I know that you can make the case that there's X percent of people who still think that Barack Obama is a radical Muslim. Um, but, you know, but that, but Very large percent, this is a little different, though, because these rumors are directly in Sarah Palin's sort of ideological wheelhouse. And, uh, and I, I will say this, first of all, from a pure entertainment point of view, it's fantastic. I mean, there was a time when I thought, well, no Hillary, no fun. But, man, boy, was I wrong. I mean, it's like Vince McMahon could not have created... Uh, a better election. I, I guess, and I know that I touched on this yesterday, and it sounds like I'm sort of harping on it, but I only say this because she is so much the alleged family values candidate, and she is backed by a lot of already, a lot of the evangelicals, the James Dobsons of the world. I would be interested to know, when they talk about how she's working from 11 a.m. you know, to 1 a.m., I'd be interested to know exactly where in there she's spending a lot of quality family time with her five kids, including one who is less than a year old and has special needs. Or maybe is that not quite as important to her? Oh, well, you know, I'll tell you, be ready, Rick, to get a phone call from the Republican Party hey. because their, their big line well, today is that the media is attacking Sarah Palin. And, it's, and you know, this is a classic Republican strategy, but they are hitting hard against us one uh danny diaz he's one of the spokesmen for the party i interviewed him this morning and he you know i had him kind of up against the wall on something and he wasn't really responding to it but he, he started going off on how you know there's there's only one group that's less popular than congress and it's the media <laughs> approval ratings are lower so later we're walking away and i said where where is that approval rating yeah who who puts that out and he said oh just go to google I mean, it may be out there, but I, I don't know. So anyway, they're hitting back at the media. It's, it's a classic technique, and maybe you know, obviously some of the media are more responsible than the rest. But uh, you know, just be ready for the phone call. Well, you know what? I'm, but go yeah, after I'm, Sarah I'm, like you are. I'm not saying I'm not saying she's a bad person, but I am saying Almost. she she does have the support of a large yeah. community that does believe. Uh, that raising your kids and being around your kids is job one to the exclusion of everything else, and it does not necessarily seem that she has embraced or is embracing that same view New conservatives. as someone who constantly rolls her kids in front of a TV camera as part of this election. It's a little odd to me. That's all I was going to say. The only other comment I have on, on this whole subject is I, I want to say without, uh, you know, I don't know Cindy McCain. She obviously is a very beautiful woman, very poised. But I will say I thought it was the, the setup for where she and her children were sitting last night was a little odd. Um, I don't even think I saw it. I mean, you're talking about... I don't even think I know what you're, what you're talking about now. Yeah, well, Cindy, they ha you know, they always have the box for the family. Right. But in this case, they had Cindy McCain uh, kind of on one level, and she was sitting with former President Bush, I believe, and uh, and Barbara Bush. They were, they were in close space on the same level. I think uh, uh, Joe Lieberman's wife, Hadassah, was also there. But so they were sitting on one level, and right just above and behind Cindy McCain were her children, but they were all very spread out, and it was kind of... It almost didn't look like they knew each other exactly. Well, there's all that weirdness with, McC okay. with, with Cindy McCain and her family anyway. I mean, it's just, there's a whole lot of... You know, they, they, they I don't know. I don't know, but it was, it was just a strange, a strange picture. Let me just... I think, you know, and again, Engineer Eric coming up twice today, he, he said that he saw Cindy McCain turn around and mouth, wave to the crowd <laughs> to um, one of her daughters. You're sure that she didn't mouth, find He-Man, bring him to me. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you this. Here's a, here's, a, here's a really dumb question. I've been saying all day that if if Sarah Palin, who apparently is a very good public speaker, if she nails it tonight, mm -hmm. she 
she you know gets gets some good upside to it, but that the potential upside if she does well, is not nearly so pronounced as the potential downside if she somehow blows it. Do you agree? I do agree. And so... I mean, we're not, this is not, this is, you know, to use a, a sports analogy, which of course is a big cliche with politics and something you can't relate to because you don't like sports, uh, you know, this, this is the playoff. Yeah. You know, this isn't the Super Bowl, this is the playoff. So, uh, I, I don't even know, I don't even know where else to go. Uh, anything else, anything, uh, big happenings tonight, big surprises? Rudy Giuliani, uh, let me see if I can pull out his speech. It's going to be uh, right around 7 p.m. your time, We I think is when Rudy Giuliani, he's got, it, the time is in flux because everything's constantly changing. But uh, just the name of his speech kind of indicates the direction he's going in. Uh, name of his speech, wrong reform and wrong reason. Okay. Uh, by, by the way, we have an email. Uh, a listener said, hey, you should, uh, you should change that Republican talking point to Sarah Palin has been constantly attacked by reality. So that's a listener saying that. That's not me. I'm gonna call you, listener. Hey, all right. Uh, all right. I, it's, uh, it's, uh, we were, by the way, seeing a little bit of uh, of you online earlier. Yeah, it's uh, strange. Uh, I'm not entirely comfortable with it. Holding it down on the talk show front. Will you do me, unless you feel uncomfortable about this? Will you do me a favor? Uh, at, when this is all said and done, will you do me the favor of of excerpting and sending me one of the uh, long form talk shows you did with Roland Martin? Okay. Yeah. I'll Only because I want to hear it, and I'm I, you know I can't because I'm busy doing the thing. Oh, so. Right. right. Okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. All right, we will talk to you uh, tomorrow. Enjoy your night. Have a fantastic evening covering all this. We will uh, talk to you about 24 hours from now, Lisa. Excellent. All right, thank you. There you go. I thought the favor was for her to say hello to you. <laughs> will you, say, will you mouth my name on television? Be my name. Uh, so it's uh, now because she's been, she's doing that two-hour talk show with Roland Martin, and you know we're not able to hear it. And uh, I know that she has mixed feelings about how it's gone, but I'm sure it's been. I'm sure it's been. So that's something that she's just doing for a few weeks. Uh, it's just for the convention. Okay. She's doing, uh, you know, just sort of a political nerd thing for you know, 120 minutes a day. But you know, I think it's her first ever talk show gig, and I guess she had to do it all by herself. That one next role, and Martin like never showed up. Oh no. Uh, so uh, I just, I, I just don't even. There's too many things. Too many things. Too many things. I don't even. I don't even know. I mean, I don't even feel like we've gotten to half of what really needs to be talked about. First of all, where do you suppose uh, they're going to stick? Uh, the the kids and the, the the Levi or whatever his name is are they all going to be back behind her or are they going to be in the crowd because if they're behind her it shows that she's with them but if they're behind her we're constantly just going to be looking at the daughter going I wonder no, if she could have had two kids going to be holding the daughter you know that and they're uh, all going to be sitting up I think on up her to the knee. left yeah up to stage left and they're all sitting there supporting her and like she's going to go over and kiss I the wonder baby. if they'll have I wonder if they'll have the, the 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 baby daddy I hate to call him that but that's the only way to let everybody know we're talking about Levi. I wonder if they'll have him holding the youngest kid, Trig. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he'll be, oh, to, getting, yeah, he'll yeah. be holding the baby. To drive home the whole, like, you know, family, family first sort of a thing. I or mean, to get people saying maybe that's his child, too. Uh, because, you know, despite at least I was going to talk about it. You know what? i got to tell you, um, you know, for anybody who maybe listens to this show only casually, or maybe you're only listening this week, or you're a new listener, you know, whatever, um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm no more of a Democrat than I am a Republican. And last week, we gave it to the Democrats every single day last because the Democrats were just nothing but lies too. Yeah. I mean, that was. You know, I was talking to Joni about this. I mean, it really is just one version of lie. I mean, the Democrats when they stood up last week and we're going to end our dependence on oil within ten years. Lie. We're going to cover everybody with health care. Lie. Uh, we're going to end all our involvement in foreign work. Lie. So the Democrats just mouthed one untruth after another, and so they got theirs. This week it's the Republicans, so the Republican get the Republicans, you know, get what's coming to them. Yeah. But it, this, this, all the logistics of this, especially when you consider the fact that the McCain. Now, did you read the thing about the Inquirer? No. Okay. So I, I mean, it's just we could talk about this. We got to get an HD channel that's just nothing but this convention and Sarah Palin talk. 
So do you know why the Palin family put out that press release about Bristol being pregnant? It's because the National Enquirer showed up at their door and said, hey, we know the kid's pregnant. Come out with it or we're going to publish it. I, I mean, I just, I, I and flat who out, what else they have? I mean, I flat out, they told me that, the Inqui- and I think it's actually broken now, but the, the Inquirer flat out told me, because I had talked to them about it, I'd emailed, and I was like, hey, what, what gives? And they flat out told me, they're like, they're like they, they released it because we told them if they didn't, we would. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so, and that's the thing is you got to wonder what else the Inquirer is looking at. Apparently they got people just pound on the pavement up there in Alaska because they think, and here's the other interesting thing. And, you know, unless anybody think that we're just doing whatever, I mean, it's just the, the, the politics of it is just fascinating. You know, the, the machinations, the whole living primary colors of it. You got to wonder why also the, the McCain camp didn't release it. It was the Palin family, not the McCain camp. And so you got to wonder how closely the McCain camp can even control that family. Because you got to figure that usually the McCain campaign would be the ones to release the information, but they weren't. It was the family. So it, it sort of raises the question of whether the McCain people can even control that bunch of that bunch of folks. It's just it's fascinating. Let's do a few more here and then we'll take a break. So and then we've got calls, so I apologize. I mean, well, that's go ahead. Uh, Rupert Murdoch is considering buying the New York Times. This, according to Vanity Fair, is Michael Wolf, who wrote a profile and interviewed the new News Corp chairman and chief executive. He speaks of watching Murdoch go through the numbers, plan on a merger with the journal's backroom operations, and fantasize about the staff's quitting en masse as soon as he entered the sacred temple. The article doesn't uh, directly quote Murdoch on his reported interest. There would be clear regulatory obstacles to a New York Times acquisition in addition to uh, likely reticence of the Schulberger family to sell to him. News Corporation also owns MarketWatch. The publisher of this report. Now, is it true? I know that's the case with the radio stations and TV stations. You can only own so many, and you can only own so many in a market, and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that true with newspapers? Who even governs that? Do you suppose? I don't know. I wonder who sort of controls that. I didn't know there were any such rules for newspapers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's do one more. We'll break. We'll come back, Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, and then Tim will actually return early at the top of the two o'clock hour because there's so much to talk about. Let's do one more here, and then we'll do calls, and then we'll break. Police in Port St. Lucie, Florida, are on the lookout for a cross-dresser who snatched a 74-year-old woman's purse. I don't even know where to go with this cross-dresser. And they're depending on a strange clue. The suspect left behind a condom filled with water that had been used as a fake breast. Uh, the woman said she believed that the, the uh, thief followed her while shopping. A witness told investigators he was wearing a short denim skirt and a tasteful black tube top and took off in a silver car with two other male cross-dressers. They're processing the condom for fingerprints and DNA evidence. Okay. Uh, I'll read this email. We'll do these calls. We'll break. Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, then Tim Riley returns with uh, more happenings. Uh, this says, Rick, it seems like in the past decade or so, the Democrats have had almost zero buzz, and the Republicans have been the flashy ones. Now it's the Democrats that have all the hype. When you think about it, it looks like the Joe-mentum has transferred from the Democrats to the Republicans, effectively flip-flopping the party that he kills. Joe Lieberman has the amazing power to suck the life out of anything, Rick. Just thinking about it now, I can hear his jowls slowly flapping, and uninteresting and sleep-inducing sound bites are occurring in my head. Now I need a nap. Uh, we will do these two calls. We will break. We will come back. Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, Tim Riley, Top 5. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, sorry, I'll play. Hello. Hi, it's you, sir. Hey there, finally. Hey, buddy. Hey. Uh, any jokes about the Islamabad oh, yet? Uh, you know, and most of them, i got to get to those, because most of them have actually been via email. 
most of the Islamabad jokes, we're doing the reverse punchline today for Dennis Miller tickets at Spearmont Casino. Most of them have been via email. I printed them out. We don't have time to go through all of them, but we'll give some of the high points uh, before the end of the show, and then we'll announce the winner. Uh, do you have a uh, Do you have a reverse punchline joke, sir, leading up to the punchline of Islamabad? I think I do. All right. Is this clear? Is this clean for the air? Yes, it is. All right. Go ahead, sir. What does the pastor say when he stubs his toe? I don't know. Islamabad. Wait, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Tim, do you get it? No. Please to explain. When you stub your toe, you scream something like, oh, God, or... Yes. Turn it. Shucks. And so instead of saying shucks, he says Islamabad. Well, he's a pastor. Let me ask you this. On the classic 1 to 10 scale in terms of comedy, where would you rate this? Right now? Negative 2. Okay. When you were high and thinking of it last night? Oh, it's a 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol will get your information, and we will announce the winner at the end of the day. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, by the way, I should say, Richie, you can talk to that guy. So we're going to announce at the end of the day uh, the winner of Dennis Miller tickets. We're going to uh, do another reverse punchline tomorrow. Today, I'll give you the punchline at the end of the show. Uh, but today, though, the punchline is Islamabad. You need to create the joke that leads up to it. And I will say, I have been impressed, by the way, because, see, because when I came up with Islamabad, I was thinking llama because of that sound of the way to, to Wilsonville. Llamas, llamas, llamas. And so I was thinking llama. And then it occurred to me last night that looking at it, there's probably a number of people looking at it, and instead of seeing llama, they see Islam. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, God, it's just going to be a bunch of... you were talking about no, it's, no, it's llama or llamas because you know, llama is funny. It's a funny animal. Uh, but then last night I was like, oh, God, it looks like Islam. And so I was dreading, in a way, coming in here and reading the submissions. Because I thought, oh, God, it's just going to be a bunch of Muslim jokes, which I'm almost certainly not going to read, and which will lower my opinion of the audience. But I have to say, m- most of them have not been that. So uh, anyway, uh, so we will take your jokes through the end of the show up till 2.45. If you have a joke leading up to the punchline, Islamabad, uh, then we'll announce it. Let's do one more, then we break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, hi. I didn't have a joke at all, but I'm calling for a sponsor. Who did Adderall? Adderall. Excellent. Uh, I'm sorry? Adderall. Where could I get one? Adderall the drug? No, not that. You had some product. There was a, a recording device. The Adderall. Yeah. Ah, uh, the Adderall. When you say who did Adderall, I mean, it's just... Well, me. many people did I was going to say, the answer to that could be almost anybody, sir, especially in this book. Uh, yeah, um, I understand. All right. Uh, the Adderall R09 <laughs> is the name of the product. That was from Super Digital. Uh, uh, I, their phone number is 228, I think, 2222, but it's superdigital.com. All one word. Super, superdigital.com. Uh, Rick is the guy out there telling me you heard it on the Rick Emerson Show. Will you please? It's a digital recorder that I recommend highly, sir. Thank you so much. All right, Bye. thank you. We did Adderall. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, Tim Riley has more news than we could possibly get to in a thousand lifetimes of shows. But we'll uh, we'll try to do it. we got the top five uh, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, it is worth noting uh, that MySpace is owned by Rupert Murdoch's News Corp, which is a very, very right-wing organization. So it's uh, it's funny that all those MySpace uh, pages about the Levi, what's his name? I don't want Levi your Johnson. kids. Yeah. Uh, that, and it shows Bristol Palin getting all boozed up. You know, the next thing, though, is going to be to figure out whether those photographs of her boozing were taken while she was pregnant. That'll be the next step, just so you know. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You got till 245. We're doing the reverse punchline contest uh, for a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller. Uh, we have uh, a limerick. This is uh, a chilly Afghani named Brad had a dilemma, so he asked his dear dad to advise which was better between two types of sweater. He said, why alpaca, Islamabad?
Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, the one and only Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. What up, Rick? How you doing? I am uh, doing fantastically. What is up in the world of nudity, my brother? Well, uh, currently in theaters is a movie called College, and it's a uh, non-stop keg party of naked co-eds. Uh, Rick, you will not know any of the girls in the movie. They're pretty anonymous, but there's, I could promise you, uh, uh, lots of breasts and even some lesbo action. Uh, this, this college is definitely the, from the school of hard knockers, uh, no question about that. Now, on DVD... Uh, you know who Jennifer Love Hewitt is, obviously, and season three of The Ghost Whisperer is out on DVD, and she's she's not naked in that, of course, but I have to say that for me personally, she's in my top five girls who have yet to do a nude scene that I hope do. Uh, Jessica Simpson would be number one on that list, but Jennifer Love Hewitt is a top fiver. Um, one of the great nip slips ever caught by the Mr. Skin staff was in a 2002 movie called The Tuxedo with Jackie Chan and Jennifer Love Hewitt. One hour, one minute, and 40 seconds in, she's wearing a blue dress with no bra, gets pushed into a pool, and in all the excitement, underwater, uh, there's a brief exposure of uh, right breast. It's very quick, but uh, we were able to get an underwater uh, nip slip of Jennifer Love Hewitt, but unfortunately, that is all she's ever shown in her career. Uh, and season three of The Ghost Whispers out on DVD. You know, your job very much is like panning for gold. You know what I mean? Just going through hours and hours of chaff just looking for the small, glittery substance that makes the whole thing worthwhile. Panning for nuggets, if yes. you will. Um, and uh, also, uh, Monica Bellucci, a lot of guys know her, her. out from The Matrix, and she's a super hot uh, actress. She's from Italy, and before she even hit it big here, she did a lot of... Uh, Italian flicks where she went full frontal. In fact, she's been naked in over 15 movies, uh, both in Italy and here. And there's a, a director's cut of a 2001 movie called Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is out this week on DVD. And now this is the director's cut. It was out originally on DVD, you know, four or five years ago, but now it's uh, uh, the director's cut's out. And 42 minutes in, uh, Monica Bellucci uh, bears her uh, uh, breasts in full moon in this. So it's a very nice uh, movie to see her naked, not her best, but uh, it's it's still in the top. It's in the top five or six of all the movies she's been uh, naked in. So check it out, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Great nudity from Monica Bellucci. Excellent, as always. Appreciate it, my friend. We will talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, sir. Yes, Rick. All right, thank you, Mr. Skin, ladies and gentlemen. Love that guy. All right, uh, Rick. I was at a friend's house over the weekend. He had a barbecue. We ate lots of strange stuff: salmon, deer, and some meat I couldn't identify. I took a taste and spit it out of my mouth, and he asked me. Is llama bad? Right. I think you're getting the crickets. <laughs> my own, it's my own fault for picking that punchline. How about this one? Uh, Rick. Oh, this comes with a preface. He says, he says, you mentioned losing respect for listeners who go the Muslim route, but I know you can't lose respect when you started out with none. This is from Todd the Corpse, a Sunday school teacher who says, what did Frankenstein yell after being chased by torch-wielding extremists angry at him for drawing a depiction of Muhammad? Is llama bad? We're only going to let that one slide because you're a Sunday school teacher and a man of God who is tolerant of all peoples. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Can we obtain yeah. Peter Carl? Thank you, Rich. You're already on it. On it like Blue Bonnet, as they used to say. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick. What's up? Uh, what did Michael Jackson ask the waiter at the Peruvian restaurant? Is llama bad? Is llama bad? Bad. Okay. That's, that's funny. All right, I'm going to put you on hold. Thank you. Uh, all right, there you go. Richie, can you get that guy's information? All right, wonderful. 
Uh, all right. Let's. And Richie, by the way, has created his own. Yeah. And it has something to do with spanking the Dalai Lama. And I don't mean that in a. Anyway, let's. Uh, I don't. Let's, do I even have sound for Peter? Car let's just introduce Peter Carlin with. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Uh, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson show with a heart full of hate and a head full of strawberry flavored nougat. Uh, Peter Carlin, hello, sir. Dude, I don't take nougat and strawberry. Do you not? I thought nougat. I mean, isn't nougat just sort of like on its own terms a kind of a uh, like a caramel, vaguely fluffy flavor? Yeah, I don't really know, actually. Now that you think about it, but uh, now that I think about it, I don't. I don't know if nougat pertains to the the actual taste per se, or just a conglomeration of ingredients which could be augmented with additional flavorings. That's an interesting. I, I know it's. I think what it is is like a, it's a popular or less expensive version of ganache. You know what that is? Or if I just like is that your... is that what is that what I do with my teeth when I'm get irritated? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you might. I don't know. It's like when you order a dessert in a fancy restaurant. Uh huh. It's like a or or uh, the the cakes or things will certain will feature ganache. You're making this up. You know, I know I'm totally straight up, man. Is this like see? But what fancy? You know, I there are conversations with people uh, by people I mean you sometimes where I just I never feel my own hick background more. When you're talking about yeah, ganache, I'm like Mr. Sophisticated. I'm just saying that's like how you know the Royals created the weird scoring system in tennis so the commoners couldn't follow it. Uh, you're talking about some weird dessert in a restaurant that I've never even heard of. Sarah, have you ever heard of ganache? I've heard the word. I have no idea what it was. Apparently, it's a dessert. Well, I don't know what it means either. I eat it sometimes, but Christ, I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's always that's always a recipe for a healthy life. Well, what's this? Know. I don't know. I'll eat it anyway. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't even. Uh, uh, so let me just one more time. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. There we go. Uh, you're gonna be. Have you been watching the convention this week? Oh yeah. And uh, thoughts about last week and or this week? Well, um, let's see. Uh, golly, I had so many thoughts about last week, last week. Um, I thought it was all, you know, it was interesting to me. Um, I was actually blogging about this on my little blog that I still keep with the Oregon Live people, uh, even though I'm doing it now for free. How about that pro bono? Because I'm working on my book and not getting paid by the Oregonians. I'm more anti-bono. I am. I am. I'm more pro-share. Um, get it, Sonny? All right, let's move on. Last week, I thought what was interesting was that, you know, I always see these things in terms of, I'm, I'm very interested in politics, but I'm also obviously quite interested in the media, and sure. the conglomeration of the two is somehow always unhealthy and bad for everyone involved. And last week, it was all like, you know, I had the sense that from the moment that the coverage began, that every, all those cable channels and, and everyone covering it, they were just desperate to kind of steer it or sort of channel all the news into a kind of a recognizable narrative that mm -hmm. had a beginning and a middle and an end. Right. And in this case, it began with all this doubt and the sense of dread that things were going to go terribly, terribly wrong or had already or were in the process of going terribly wrong for poor Barack Obama. And, uh, you know, and that the Clintons were going to undo him and undermine him in every way, shape or form. And, you know, and so Hillary came out on Tuesday night and made, you know, what I thought was an extraordinarily magnanimous and uh, and very sort of committed speech. I mean, the fourth thing she said was, I'm a proud supporter of Barack Obama. And she went on to, you know, kind of delineate exactly what it was, blah, 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 blah. But then the media finishes this, you know, 20 minutes later, and they're all like, well, she didn't go into specifics. She didn't say, like, you know, and, it right. was, and so they're trying to say, like, wow, she really held back. Like, that was really lukewarm. And then Bill came out the next night and essentially reiterated everything she had said, and maybe with a little more detail and a little more oomph to it. And then they were all like, well, you know, I don't know. They're coming around. That, that was pretty strong, you know. And, and then by the next night, 
you know, Biden came and did his whole act, and and then the bit with his son describing that terrible car accident that killed uh, right. his his wife and youngest child. Then, you know, if you weren't in tears watching that, just on a human level, I it was. It, I mean, you know, and I'm a I'm a pretty hard bitten guy, but uh, that was uh, that speech that uh, that Bo Biden made. Oh, it was it was, uh, it, was it was pretty it was it was gripping. It really was. And then he didn't even say the part about how he's going to Iraq in a few weeks. Well, but see, that was going to be my point. Is you're yeah. talking about the media. The media is so no offense, and I'm part of it. It's so easily manipulated. Oh man. I mean, when when and I pointed out the time that Bo Biden they did this masterstroke. Oh, when he said, because of other obligations, I won't be here this fall, so I need you to support my dad. Thus leading it to the media, who then dutifully said, well, of course, Wolf, the other obligations he's talking about, he will be overseas serving his country. Yeah. You know, it's like the media, they're just such stooges. Well, you know, but whatever. I mean, he couldn't say it, but everyone's going to I mean, he, he left the point. I mean, it was beg. you know, I mean, begged the the point. Like, like what, what exactly is yeah. going on? Anyway, well, but then my larger point, then you get to the next night with, you know, with Obama at, in that massive stadium, which is crazy to you know to, to the gills right. and beyond and he comes out there and surprise surprise he makes a great speech because he makes great speeches and that was a particularly good one and 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 it was staged particularly brilliantly and lo and behold it's a triumph right, right. right. so <laughs> you know and then and so then your narrative comes to a great crashing climax which is somehow you know if you on starting on Monday night you would have seen like that coming down the tracks um, this week, it's kind of sort of the same thing, except the story's a little different because now it's kind of veered into this tabloid thing with Sarah Palin and her sort of randy daughter getting all knocked up and stuff. And uh, and, and so that's sort of becoming the main controversy, you know, except for the fact that there's all this other, like, way more relevant and way more important and way more damaging things going on up there in Alaska that the McCain campaign apparently didn't really bother to look into all that carefully before they anointed her. And the media can't be bothered, really, to spend a whole lot of time with that because they're so busy getting involved in, you know, who knocked up uh, Bristol Palin. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I say, I mean, look, the, the media is I mean, the media is largely useless. I mean, I think we know that to be the case. But it's interesting that even McCain's president, the guy running McCain, the chair of the McCain committee, Rick Davis, I think is his name, it was talking to the Washington Post yesterday. And I don't have the quote in front of me. I read it from the paper yesterday. But he flat out said, in these words, the McCain campaign chair said, this election will not be about issues. It will be about a composite of the personalities that voters, the, the, the sense that voters get of the personality composite. Well, but check it out, though. See, um, yeah, that, to some extent that's true. I, I don't believe that that's entirely true. I mean, maybe he's hoping that's true. But uh, because the issues all the... trend away from, uh, uh, from, from McCain because, every, you know, the whole right track, wrong track um, measure and plus also, you know, there's so many everything that everyone's tired of in, in terms of you know I mean just the polls right. seem to indicate um, except for not getting killed by terrorists they're all, they're all pretty positive about not getting killed by terrorists but um, but in terms of everything else the economy and the war and all this other stuff it, it, it's things are seeming to the public to be trending in the wrong direction right right and they yearn for change that they can believe in uh, so but yes but uh, but but what's interesting to me is that I'm sorry I'm just no like, no no go ahead all sped up here. It, it, it's that the uh, but you asked right yes. so okay I so, uncorked it you did you totally did genie, can't put the genie back in the bottle now so but the thing is is that the, I don't think any serious Democrat is raising or really gives much of a fig about Bristol Palin and is is raising it but but the Republican the clever thing that they're doing is that 
they're making they're talking about it now, I think, way more than anybody else as a way, I think, to distract the media from all this other stuff that's going on in Alaska. So in other words, they're sort of setting the entire stage on poor Bristol uh, Palin's shoulders. And, you know, like with this sort of jivey, you know, like they're saying, you know, you'll not take advantage of this young girl here, but let's just keep talking about her so you forget about the man behind the curtain type it's, it's, all, it's interesting to me. I mean, when you talk about the, 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 the baby, I guess we're now legally required to put gate at the end of everything, but the, the, the Bristol gate or baby gate or whatever we're going to call it. Scam. You could have it scam, too. Uh, I mean, the, the thing about it is clearly it seems like there is other sort of actual political dirt up there to be to be dug up. And, I know oh. that, you know, they've got shoes on the ground, you know, sort of up there just sort of scouting around for it. But I was making this point to somebody from CNN earlier here on KCMD Portland. Uh, I was talking to somebody from CNN, and I was saying you know, the, the, the difference is because everybody said, "Well, would you be saying this if it was a, you know about a Barack Obama? Would you be saying this if this was about a Republican Ken or a man?" And so much of McCain's support, and so much of the recent support—recent, I mean, since last Friday—for the McCain ticket has been because of Palin and because of evangelicals and folks like James Dobson and the Focus on the Family guys, kind of coming out and saying, "Hey, this really makes us energized about the ticket. We can really solidly get behind this." So because so much of the McCain ticket support now is coming from the ultra-religious community, I think it does bear investigation that from all outward appearances, Sarah Palin's not a very responsible parent. Well, she does work a lot. She was in the office you know three what? days after giving birth. She was in the child. office three days after giving birth. To she, the kid who has Down syndrome. She has five kids, one of whom is less than a year old and has special needs, and she's now working 13 hours a day by her campaign's own admission. She's campaigning for a job that is going to, I don't know, let's keep let's keep her a little busy. Um, uh, you know, she, nah, she, maybe not so much. She opted to have a kid in an age group where the Down syndrome rate is one in 30. Uh, you know, and she obviously, it, it, the, the evidence would indicate, uh, filled her daughter's head with some sex education knowledge that ended up with the daughter getting pregnant. Yeah, that's quite a house they've got up there, isn't so, it? I mean, I everyone's mean, getting it on. I'm just, you know, so it's so, and it's I, the I fertility palace. And the only reason I bring that stuff up is because they make they make these sort of family values such a cornerstone uh, of their voting block. Yeah, but sin and, and redemption. I think sin and redemption looms large with the evangelical crowd. Uh, it's possible. Hey, you know, you... they're all. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk. Anymore. Hey, I asked somebody else about this. Uh, another Springsteen uh, fan that I know. What do you make of this? Uh, did, I mean, when you saw the DNC thing after Obama spoke, first thing they did was fire up "Born in the USA." I thought there was some sort of memo that went out, like to everyone on Earth, that you couldn't do that anymore. No, that one fits with the um, with the Democratic. Uh, that's more of a Democratic patriotic song. You think they're taking it the back? Thing, the problem is when the when the Republicans try to use it as a straight up um, patriotic song. Mm -hmm. We were born in the USA, and therefore you shall not screw with us type of feeling. Like, that's where it goes wrong. But if you listen carefully to the song and the sort of litany of complaints about uh, this poor guy who served his country and came home and got screwed over, I think that actually works well with the Democratic talking point. I will also say this other thing about Springsteen. Uh, and I'm, you know, not a massive Springsteen fan, maybe more than a casual fan, less than a fanatic. But no matter how many times I have heard it, uh, that song, The Rising, just gives me chills every time. Every time I hear it, yeah, and not just because it's sort of written about 9/11 stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just you know one of those fantastic pieces of production. And the sound of it, when Brendan O'Brien produced that. It just had that great bunch of guys in a room bashing it out live kind of sound. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. Uh, let's see, a couple things. Um, let's, let's talk about actual TV stuff here a second. So, Mad Men rolls on, continues to be genius. Mm. Um, 
I got to say, that episode two weeks back, The New Girl, mm-hmm. is maybe, for me, the best episode of that series so far. Uh, just so much there. And, of yeah. course, big, broad things like Don's car accident and Peggy asserting herself, coming to his defense, but then at the end sort of calling him Don and trying to make herself an equal. And the look on his face. I mean, that is just, it's just, that episode was so good, and it was awkward and really painful to watch at certain points, which I guess is the mark of a good show, because it was, you know, because it was really ringing true. Did you, what did you think of this last episode, though? I thought this last episode was good, not as good as the week before. I thought it was... Check it out, check it out. You know what? I I watched it, uh, on, when it it was on on Sunday, Uh and then I thought, like, eh, you know, pretty good. I, parts of it that I dug, right? And I'm taking notes along the way because I was going to blog about it in the morning. And then I went to bed, and I was lying there, and I wasn't getting to sleep, and I was thinking about the episode, wondering what I was going to write. And then suddenly I realized, oh, like, you know, I thought it was about hypocrisy at first. But mm-hmm. then I realized, no, I'm sorry. That's That whole entire show was about people – it was sort of like – and you know how the whole the, the – whole, uh, uh, subplot about the ad campaign they were trying to work on. Jackie during the day, Marilyn at night. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what is the most uh, uh, the most famous um, uh, bra campaign slogan ever it was like, you know, maiden form, I think right. it was, lifts and separates. Right. But the whole idea about people being two things at once, and, and I mean, and everyone in that show with Duck, you know, poor Duck, who's such a decent guy in a lot of ways. And you see him, you know, he's trying to, you know, recover, you know, he's trying to stop drinking. He's clearly right. a recovering alcoholic. Right. And yet, you know, and that dog, you know, but 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 he's also sort of a starting his own new life. And, you know, there's that moment when you see him getting pulled almost to the point of taking a drink. And he's got the bottle in his hand and he's smelling it and he's about to throw down a heavy slug. And that dog of his, Chauncey, is looking up at him as a sort of beaming in that dogish right. way. And he can't quite bring himself to drink in front of the dog. So then he gets rid of the dog. I mean, it was such a gut punch, too, because, yeah, he he's about ready to fall off the wagon and drink. And they did, Matthew Weiner's such a bastard, they did such a fake out there where then they gut punched you because he's about to fall off the wagon and drink, and he looks down, and the family dog is looking up at him, just all beaming, and, he's, and then he puts the bottle down, and you think... All right, that's a sweet moment the family dog is reminded of. And then he takes the dog downstairs to the building in Manhattan and just gets rid of the dog, kicks him out onto the street. Into so he Madison can go back. Avenue. You're so on he, your own now. Please. So he can go upstairs to drink without the dog looking at him. Well, and we don't just, know what he did. Well, but, you know what I mean. But you're just sort of yeah. going like, oh. But each character, each of the characters had that moment. And the bit with Peggy where she kind of realizes and uh, and Joan let her know for, for sure um, in no uncertain terms that – she couldn't succeed in the man right. world unless she totally dressed and acted like a sexy woman. Right, right. Which is, you know, and, and everyone had that moment. I mean, Don had it a couple different times. And when he's with, uh, he's fooling around with Bobby, and she starts telling him about how the, the other girls in town have been talking about him, and that fl- flips him out. And he ends up tying her to the bed and leaving her. <laughs> well, and he realizes at that moment that he is no better, and in fact, he's the same as his parents, who were a whore and a john. Yeah, you know, and he is both. He is both a whore and he's a John. Uh, and you know, and of course they they did that thing back at the long slow pullback where you see the two you know the two Dons in the mirror, which is just mm-hmm. boy. And I got to tell you, I don't know anything about how the series ends or unfolds. I don't know anything about anything. But the number of it's interesting when you go to like message boards and you see people doing these full on psychoanalysis sessions about Don Draper mm-hmm. trying to get inside that guy's head, and it's astounding the number of people who have come to. And you know, it might not happen, but people have come to two conclusions. It seems to be there's a lot of people reading already ahead to the end of the show, whenever that is. 
And there's a staggering number of people who somehow, I think because of the opening credits, think it ends with Don tossing himself out a window. And then a lot of other people seem to believe that the series, whenever it ends, will end with him like as a farmer in Kansas, having reinvented himself once again as somebody brand new. Because that whole show is well, about see, reinventing yourself. Well, sure, of course it is. But, I mean, I, 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 you don't – in a story about the birth of modern American culture and this sort of urge toward reinvention and stuff, ain't nobody going to reinvent themselves as a farmer in, you know, 19th century America, which is kind of where he came from. I mean, um, so I have a harder time seeing that. Um, I don't get into this whole, like – trying to prognosticate your way, like, to the end of the series and beyond. I mean, to me, the fun of this is sitting back and letting it, you know, let Matt Weiner and those guys have their way with me. You know what I mean? Hey, speaking of Matt Weiner, what a control freak he is. How weird was it to hear that Decemberist song at the beginning of the episode? But, you know, he's he's jumped out of the box with with, the... uh, with the music um, in terms of the time period a lot. In fact, he says that one of the things he really wants to do is use, um, he thinks that one of the all-time great TV soundtrack songs, which is appropriate in so many different ways, is ACDC's Back in Black. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, that show it, it is it is impossible uh, to predict. I mean, it just uh, just uh, real quick. Speaking of looking ahead, um, Shield last night. Um, and so did you, You have, I'm, I'm sure I've seen the, probably the first couple of this season, but yeah. uh, certainly last night. Uh, what did you think about the, about the season premiere of The Shield? I was a little, you know, I saw, I actually did a little blog thing about it yesterday. Um, I was a little, when I first, when I saw the first episode, I was a little sort of taken aback. I, I thought like, uh, on the one hand, it seemed to me that uh, Vic was just like a caged animal, you know, right. and, and also that the show was trending toward some of the least, less ca- uh, interesting characters and, uh, you know, that it was all plot and running out of character strength. Because Ronnie um, has, is, like, now, like, the most prominent of the Strike right. Force guys. Right. And he's just, a, you know, he's never become anything. He's just, like, a suit, really. Right, right. Um, and, uh, and also, I, that Billings detective guy um, is, a, is, to me, a distinctly uninteresting character. Yeah, and I also did feel, as much as I liked last night, I felt that that whole thing of, Kind of reverse psychology, reverse psychologying Billings into closing the case, and then they screw him out of the suit. I thought that it was a little. But then there's uh, something that happens in the second episode where there's a glimmer in Billings that's different, and then it's kind of, which I just watched last night, which made me. I was coming around a little more and a little more excited about the season when I was watching the second episode last night. It is interesting to see that Vic and those guys. You know, it's so you have to judge on such a weird curve with them because they're so evil in so many ways that they have now taken it to this level of instigating like an actual full-on gang war to cover their many sins. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just I that is the show where I do everything I can not to look ahead and imagine how it's going to end because I just, uh, A, because I can't even imagine it, and B, because I don't want to know. You know, I want Sean Ryan to really come out of the, the shadows and clock me. Yeah. Um, couple, and just it, kind of before we, before we sort of go, what do you make of, and this is because of Battlestar Galactica that I asked, what do you make of this tendency that I think is a post-Sopranos thing of endlessly delaying and or splitting these seasons. I mean, it just seems to be, oh, well, sure if I were to lose your audience. The Shield got a little, um, not, I mean, but don't forget, a lot of these shows have been knocked around a bit, The Shield in particular, because of the writer's strike. So don't be forgetting that, dude. A lot of these shows would have come back a lot earlier, right. except for that they lost, whatever, eight months. You don't think it's the networks just trying to milk it? No. Uh, all right, then. Well, fair enough, Peter Carlin. Uh, all right. Uh, I was going to ask you about 90210, but really, why? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. And you probably don't plan to. 
Right. That's yeah. one of the privileges of being gone uh, <laughs> this time is that I don't have to watch that. Excellent. Uh, all right. Uh, can we uh, and we grab you next week? You busy? You gone? You, what are you? What's your deal? I assume I'll be around. All right. So uh, we will track you down at some point, and we will uh, get you next week, sir. Groovy. All right, Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. There we go. Excellent. Fantastic. That is uh, that is the one and only. Peter Carlin. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. We'll do these calls. Uh, we'll do a couple of headlines. We'll break. Come back. More news. Top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I got a joke. Yes, sir. Is this an Islamabad joke? Yes. All right. Go uh, ahead. Uh, an Iraqi man walks into a Jewish deli now, and he wants to order. Now, he wants, now let's back up for a second. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no racial this, thing here at all. It's just I just pick characters. You know, I just. So this is. So you are picking these characters only in the like a a duck and a uh, psychoanalysis yeah, walk into a bar. Just out of thin air, yeah. All right. with, a, with a little help from Richie Bristol too. So. Well, that's always the that's always oh, the road no. to quality. Go ahead. And then he wants to order a club sandwich, but he wants to know if, he doesn't know how long the meat's been sitting out. So he says, "Is salami bad?" Well, that's actually a different word as from Islamabad. Islamabad. <laughs> hey, work with, work with me here. Uh, I like me all okay. five okay. seconds you, to think here, of it. I'll tell you what. Let's back up. Tell the whole joke from the beginning. Okay. An Iraqi man walks into a Jewish deli and he wants to order a club sandwich, but he doesn't know how long the meat's been out for. He wants, you know, he wants freshness. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants a fresh, fresh sandwich. Yes. And so he says to the clerk behind the counter. It's salami bad. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I give you I give you points for trying, really. And and I have to admit, the Iraqi guy walking to the Jewish jelly, you know, and then but then you turned it around. And you made it about something else. Yeah. Points for style there. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie, you'll get your information. We'll announce the winner at the end of the day, sir. Okay. All right. There you Was go. Was there Richie? a question you were supposed to like get psychically to. know to ask? Uh, I don't really know. I don't know either. Richie, if you can make sure we got that guy. All right. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's up? Well, I was going to tell you that Peter um, was mispronouncing ganache. Yeah, I don't even know what he was. I couldn't even I couldn't even correct it's, him. It's chocolate. My wife makes these uh, Christmas cookies. They're called chocolate ganache cookies. Would you please dispel, if you can? I can't spell it. Uh, but okay, can you, can, you, ganache? can you spell it phonetically for me? I think it's G N A C H I. Ganache. Like that, ganache. Sort of like but I'm not sure. Sort of like but if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're hungry and you're gonna have a little nosh, but a G in front of it. Right. All right. Okay. And it's a good. It, they're awesome cookies. Is it oh. like a, so? It's a, it's a chocolate. Is it like a cream? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I'll have to ask yeah, my uh, wife about it. She knows. All right. It's really good. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Uh, well, we were gonna do some news. We can do news when we come back. Should we take a break? Come back yeah. news, and then we'll roll right into the top five. Maybe make sure we get it done. Because I feel bad. I really do, honestly, I feel very bad that we haven't gotten to the top five. I do. Top, I feel five? top five B-sides that are better than the A-side. And for some reason... That's a good one. Yeah, and for, yeah, see, for some reason, it's one of those top fives that has sort of resonated with people. And they're like, I gotta hear it! Come on, bastard! So I feel bad. We'll take a break. Back after this, headlines from Tim Riley. Top five. Later on, we'll announce the uh, winner of the reverse punchline contest. The punchline is Islamabad. All right, and then we got to come up with a punchline for tomorrow. Stay there. Indeed. 503-733-2970. Mere moments. Tim Riley joins us in the Ministry of Truth. A couple other calls. Like us at 3. Uh, Michael Mara Show at 7. Don't forget, tomorrow we will have Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, she'll talk about a whole bunch of stuff, up to and including the fact that I guess they've all got a bunch of, a, bunch of boots on the ground, as they say, uh, in Alaska. 
Here's one, Rick. A married couple were spicing up their sex life. The wife wore a full leather dominatrix outfit. The husband put on his favorite furry costume, which was a South American pack animal. Their noisy activity in the bedroom woke up the kids. Little Ricky said to little Timmy, Wake up. I think we're moving to the capital of Pakistan. Little Timmy said, Why do you say that? Because mom keeps shouting, Islamabad! And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, Uh this is Tim Riley. Five billion dollars. That's a nail set for Isaac Zamora, charged with murdering six people and injuring four others in that one-man shooting spree in Sagitt County yesterday. Apparently, it's a mental case, and his family tried to get something done about him, and they were unsuccessful. Too late now. There's a report that a man from Flint, Michigan, has been arrested in connection with a plot to blow up the Republican National Convention. The FBI said the man apparently planned to use Molotov cocktails in an attack on the convention site. Dozens of people have been arrested in protests outside the XL Energy Center, but this is the first report of a direct threat against the convention. First of all, A, looking at that crowd last night, it's no surprise they're gathering in a place that has XL in the name. Mm-hmm. B, doesn't it seem like most of the people in Flint, Michigan, are probably at any given moment sitting around thinking about doing something bad or hurting somebody or blowing something up? I mean, what else is there to do there? Then Ben Stein predicts Sarah Palin will give a solid speech tonight. He said she'll hit all the key issues in the election year, including foreign policy and the economy. In terms of the economy, as far as I know, she has absolutely zero background in it. That's fine. Neither did John F. Kennedy. But somebody's got to get in there and fill her in on it really quick. Like in the next two hours. Uh, picking Palin threw some selling points of McCain's presidential campaign out the window. They were selling themselves as the uh, team, the ticket of experience. That's out the window. They're selling themselves as the ticket of steady habits. That's out the window. They're selling them as the ticket of people who are ready to deal with America in a foreign policy crisis. That's out the window. Here's the best idea of all. Palin should have some somebody like Henry Kissinger babysitting her. For foreign policy. She's going to have to have people like Martin Feldstein from Harvard, probably the best Republican economist in America, around her every second drilling into her head what she's got to know. She should have Henry Kissinger babysitting her. That's a great idea. I think so. Uh, let's see. Here's a good email. Check this out, though. This, this is great. Todd, uh, Todd says, criticism in the media about Republicans being family values, and yet Sarah Palin is not going to be taking care of her family. This is actually really genius. He says, don't you think it would be a genius move for Sarah Palin to address the controversy by saying, family values are very important. While I'm a working mother, my husband will stay home to take care of our household and be the primary caretaker of our house and children. That's a great idea. I don't know if they will, but that's a really good idea. If Sarah, politically, if Sarah Palin got up there and said, you know what, I'm going to be busy, Uh, I'm going to be the vice president of the United States, Uh, my husband, whose name I don't even know, He's going to take some time off from snowmobiling. He will be raising all of our children, including little Trig. That's a great idea. If they do that tonight, that's kind of a slam dunk. Uh, That's almost such a good idea. If they do, you heard it here first, by the way. Uh, Not from me, but from Todd. But if they do that tonight, I will be astounded. It's such a good idea, they almost won't. You can almost see them just blowing it somehow. But that's a great idea. Here's Tim Riley. There we have... All eyes on Sarah Palin, including the eyes belong to oil tycoon T. Boone Pickens. He's giving her a thumbs up on how she dealt with the Alaskan pipeline. I kind of like her style. Looks to me like she uh, she doesn't back up from anybody. T. Boone Pickens? 
Yeah, T. Boone Pickens. It seemed like one of those guys ought to have some uh, sort of fake southern, um, uh, uh, like, a barbecue place somewhere. Or go down to the cement pond for yeah. the swim at. Like, you know, some, some place. Thaddeus T. Rockefeller's Eatery and Spirits. Uh, you know, where you, you know, it's like a big gaudy neon sign up. T. Boone Pickens? T. Boone Pickens. Uh, whatever. I don't throw away that old television when you switch to a digital set. The Oregon Department of Environmental Quality suggests keeping the old one as a second TV for games, videos, or DVDs. Or donate to a second-hand store. Many old TVs still work fine, even when the nation moves to all digital broadcasting in February. Beginning in January, Oregonians will be able to recycle their old TVs along with computers and monitors for free through the Oregon eCycles program. Manufacturers are paying for that. A deer kills a motorcyclist. A 43-year-old motorcyclist uh, was killed when a deer jumped on top of him as he was riding his motorcycle in Dillard. 43-year-old Levi L. Lee was uh, riding on a rural road when a deer leaped off a bank. So much for him. Levi Lee. One day at a time, again for the tenth time for Mackenzie Phillips. Now she's in rehab. Why she wants to complete the program is anybody's guess. What can she possibly do at this point in her life? Yes, this is her tenth stint in the treatment facility. Uh, and nobody's surprised. She's 48 years old, arrested at LAX, with baggies and balloons containing heroin and cocaine. She has a history of drug abuse. And she is the daughter of John Phillips, the lead singer of the Moms and the Papas, and his first wife, Susan Adams. One Day at a Time was on from 1975 to 1984 on CBS. And her face looked like it was dragged along a belt sander for a good 30, 40 minutes or so. NBC is revealing more details about Jennifer Aniston's upcoming guest appearance on 30 Rock. She'll play a free-spirited fiddle attraction-like stalker, who's a former roommate of Tina Fey's character, Liz Lemon. Brittany Watch. Here's your Britney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Spears says she owes her life to her father, Jamie, after he helped piece her life back together following her infamous breakdown earlier this year. She was hospitalized under the Mental Health Act after a long period of trouble in the singer's personal and public life. After the breakdown of her marriage, she lost visitation rights of her two sons, but now, thanks to the help and months of guidance from her dad, she has won back the rights to see her children and things are looking up again for the star. Spears' father was given control over her financial, legal, and business affairs and became conservator of her estate. Brittany, who is working on a career comeback, uh, tells the star, My dad saved my life. I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. You know, we oh, are so terminally angry at that guy. I, he's going to be on my enemies list for life now. I mean, really, think of all the news he he robbed us of. All, well, the, that's... all the future insanity. I don't like getting all sentimental, like, oh, he really did get her back. Oh, no, no, screw that. And that's just, you know what, and that's just such a self-serving press release or email. I mean, you know, Brittany says that, you know, it still came from the dad. That's just a bunch of self-serving nonsense is what that because is. Because he's in charge of her PR, isn't Exactly. He? That's what I'm saying. For the, for the statement to come out, you know that his people were responsible for it. So that's a whole lot. Hey, everybody, come look at how great I am. There's your Britney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Then we'll do a couple calls. Then we'll do the top five.
There's your Britney watch theme, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's do a couple of these, and we'll uh, do the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hi. How can I help you? Well, uh, this is Susan, and I'm in Beaverton laying in a lovely but vegetative state. And I'm calling uh, about, uh, number one, uh, two uh, flashes on uh, the Sarah Palin issue. Number one, um, I hate John Edwards because he was uh, on the uh, campaign trail, or I should say campaign tails, while his wife was dying of brain cancer. And I thought, uh, obviously, that was a... a a primary demonstration of what a selfish SOB he was. And I guess a lot of other people didn't see that, but mm-hmm. I did. And he did not have a vagina. And I don't think it had anything to do with that. Wait, let's was, hold on. Let's back up. Okay. What do you mean he didn't have a vagina? Well, I mean, okay. Is there was there an issue at any point? Was there a discussion that he might have had a vagina? Uh, no, well, not that. Where was I? I? Although he does, I think he does use a lot of hairspray on his hair, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. No, uh-huh. the, the idea is this. We're talking family values, commitment to family, as opposed mm. to having time to be the vice president. Yes. And so his wife is laying there. Yes, uh, I, yes I was here. I know. I, you were. All okay, right. What, what is your second point? Okay. Well, no. And so uh, the other point is that uh, my husband has a theory, uh-huh. and uh, he doesn't have very many good ones, but this is this is pretty good. Is that Sarah Palin is on the ticket enough to uh, get some Hillary people to cross over? I don't know. Those people would I'm from the South. I'm not sure. But okay, so they cross over and they vote for the McCain uh, Palin ticket, and then after three months she drops out and she uh, forfeits her position, saying that uh, that her fam that she needs to. Uh, Stay home well, and, uh, I have heard some family. people speculate that, that that she might be on the ticket to get attention, that he might bounce her somehow before the election and replace her with, uh, you know, a, a very safe choice. So there's there's something to be said for that. All right. Uh, what was your name, Susan? Uh-huh. All right, Susan, uh, you call us anytime. Well, I appreciate that, All and right. I will. All right. Thank you so much. There you go. Real quickly, we'll do this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Wow. Hey, what's up? For the joke? Yes. Okay. Two cavemen having a philosophical discussion about South American camels. Yes. Okay. So uh, the first one says, if alpaca good. Yes, say it. Is llama bad? All right. You made me laugh. You get points there. All right. I'm put you on hold. Richie, get his information. We'll do two more quick ones, then the top five, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, Michael Vick gets out of prison. He's looking for some quick cash. He knows that cockfighting and dogfighting is illegal, so he heads out of the town to the nearest ranch he can find, goes up to the rancher, says, I'm looking for some really tough animals. He goes, oh, yeah, so uh, what kind of animals? He goes, I don't know, is llama bad? All right. Thank you. Put you on hold. Final submission uh, for the reverse punchline uh, contest for Dennis Miller tickets. We'll do another one tomorrow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please give me your joke. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a U.S. destroyer off the Gulf, Persian Gulf. Yes. And they're targeting a terrorist camp on the island just off of Iran, okay? So the captain uh, commands the uh, fire a cruise missile at the camp. And so weapons officer Manuel goes, okay, and he fires the missile. The missile just sails clear over the island, hits downtown Tehran. Then there's all kinds of mayhem ensues. The captain says, weapons officer Manuel, what the hell are you thinking? I said, target the island. He goes, oh, Isla? My bad. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put you on hold. 
Thank you. That Richie? was taking it and being creative. Wow. That was like three different things. That was like current affairs and an accent. <laughs> and then it was multilingual. Isla, you know, island. Uh-huh. And then he did like a whole separate dialect with the, my bad. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. I'm impressed. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. Five. Jesus. Four. Three. We'll do the top five. We'll break. And on the other side, we'll announce the winner five, of the reverse punchline contest for today. Wow. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley with today's top five. And in music, as in life, sometimes it is the unpredictable or unrated that sometimes makes a big splash. Nowhere is that more true than in the world of the B-side. Often in nearly forgotten throwaway, the B-side can sometimes rise above expectations and become truly legendary. These are the top five B-sides that exceed their A-side. But that will mention going to Led Zeppelin. Hey, hey, what can I do? Uh, so this is an honorable mention. Um... Because, you know, in terms of chart success, you know, it's it's sort of debatable whether this is, you know, more successful than the Immigrant Song because this was a B-side. This is why I don't to mention B-side only in Japan because Led Zeppelin never released singles in America except for a whole lot of love. Um, but they did release Immigrant Song as a 45 in Japan. This was a B-side, never on an album. Later came out on the, on the deluxe edition of Coda and in the box set and has become... Really, in, in the last 15 years, since it came out, it's become a huge, huge Zeppelin favorite. Didn't Led Zeppelin release Digimaker on 45? Uh, you know, maybe as, a, maybe as a single to radio stations to be played. Probably not for commercial sale, though. Hmm, I don't really remember know. having one. Really? Did you get it from a radio station? I don't remember. It could have ended up in my possession. I was going to say, if you got that, you got to go dig it up, man. That might be worth some coin. Because Led Zeppelin, they were really, really um, hardcore about not putting out singles uh, in stores. Because they had the pe- their manager, Peter Grant, had this whole thing of, like, if you don't release a single, people have no choice but to spend the whole money for the whole album, which they did. Uh, so they were the first band to be like, we're not going to sell uh, singles because then you'll have to buy the whole record. And they made, you know, ten times the money the bands had before them. Great song, though. God, what a great, what a, this is a band that just, the talent just coming out of their ears. I mean, even, it's a great song. Sounds like fun. Oh, I could see that, but the five-man electrical band. Mm, great song. Top five B-sides that outperformed the A-side. Number five, Madonna, Into the Groove. That's right. And you can dance for inspiration. This is the B-side of Angel. She sounds like a little girl. Yes, she does. Angel, which I don't even think I know. I think it's a Madonna song I'm not even familiar with. It's weird to think it's a B-side, though, because B-sides are typically, again, it's a throwaway. It's just there to... It's just there to have crap to put on the other side. Sometimes they would actually go so far as to just put the same song in like a mono mix or something on the other side. Or an instrument. I got a bunch of 45s at home where it's like some Billy Ocean song. And then the B-side is just the instrumental version. Like, for no reason. Like, why would you ever even do that back, you know, in the 80s? You're right. She does sound like she's about 10. Yeah. Getting her Martika on. 
know this is a bonding moment. Every one of us in this uh, room, we all know the words. Oh, I love this song. Great song. Was this not a radio hit? Well, this is the B-side, though. That's my point. The, okay. the, the single is a song called Angel that they sent out to radio stations. Everybody was like, well, screw that, and they turned it over and played this instead. All right, Canada, top five B-sides that outperformed the A-side. Number four, Hank Williams Sr., I'm so lonesome I could cry. So this is the B-side. This is, by the way, by, many people consider this the definitive Hank Williams Sr. song. That lonesome really just one of the saddest songs ever recorded. It is. To fly. The midnight train is whining low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. I've never seen a night so long when time goes crawling by. Behind the clouds to hide this, is a, this is the song has that line about the whipper bill uh, the, having lost its will to live or whatever. It's just like the saddest song you've ever heard. This is a B-side to a song called My Bucket's Got a Hole in It. Perhaps less legendary. It is history is very kind sometimes by forgetting facts like that. That this again wasn't even the song they thought would be a hit. They're like, no, 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 lonesome I could cry, you know, whatever. No, 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 it's all about my bucket's got a hole in it. You're right, it's a real haunting song. I mean, it's just, and this is still the definitive version. I mean, imagine being a truck driver driving cross country listening to this on the tinny AM radio. Trying not to drive into a ditch. <laughs> Everybody. Top five B songs that uh, B sides that I performed the A side. Number three, The Smiths. How soon is now? So uh, this is the B side to a song called William. It was really nothing. I love that song. Do you? Yeah. I never even heard of it. Oh, it's it's so upbeat and great. Yeah. So William, it was really nothing. That's the A side. This was on the flip side, and all the sort of hit makers of the day at the BBC or wherever they went. Wow, this is the song. They're two very different songs. I mean, they both are equally great. Yeah, see, I know almost nothing about the Smiths. I was obsessed with the Smiths in college. Every day walking to and from campus, it was just constantly in my headphones. Great guitar sound. I mean, that's, you know, that Johnny Marr thing. They were really haunting. The Smiths were haunting. Kind of morbid sounding. If you have never listened to The Smiths and you want just something like as an overview, purchase singles. It is a great collection of... Sort of like a greatest hits. Yeah, it's the greatest of. hits compilation, but it has it from so many different time periods of the band and stuff. It's called Singles. as a girl in black and white on the cover, like kind of holding on to bed posts. It's great. Counted on the top five B-sides that I performed the A-side. Number two, two, two. Bruce Springsteen and Pink Cadillac. Uh, the B-side do I'm Going Down, which was the A-side. You know what I've never noticed before? This song is stolen from Peter Gunn. This is the Peter Gunn theme. Great song, though. He's the guy who can take that same 145, that 
Yeah, that blues chord progression to really make it new. Great. I mean, the production on Springsteen Records is so great. A lot of times I actually like the production more than I like the songs. And I think Aretha Franklin or somebody covered this. I mean, it's been covered by a whole bunch of people, but this is the definitive. I mean, it's just the very definition of propulsive. That's totally Peter Gunn. That's completely stolen. God love Bruce Springsteen. He stole that. Counted on the top five B-sides that outperformed the A-side. Number one, the Righteous Brothers. You've lost 11 feelings. This is the B-side to a song called Hung On You, which I've never heard. Just a Phil Spector thing, isn't it? That wall of sound there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus, presenting news and entertainment to you right here on AM 970. Of the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow our guest will include Dorothy Carcassari uh, from the National Enquirer. We'll get your phone calls in just one moment. It's time to uh, reveal the winner of today's reverse punchline contest, and then we will give you the material for tomorrow. We will give you the material for tomorrow uh, for tomorrow's joke contest. We are giving away a pair of tickets. Tomorrow, Friday, and then next week for Dennis Miller live at Spear Mountain Casino. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the winner of today's reverse punchline contest. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please give me your joke. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a U.S. Destro- destroyer off the Gulf, Persian Gulf. Yes. And they're targeting a terrorist camp on the island just off of Iran, okay? So the captain uh, commands to uh, fire a cruise missile at the camp. And so weapons officer Manuel goes, okay, and fires a missile. missile just sails clear over the island, hits downtown Tehran. Then there's all kinds of mayhem. The captain says, weapons officer Manuel, what the hell are you thinking? I said target the island. He goes, oh, Isla, my bad. There you go. That's fantastic. That is. Uh, that is Eric. So congratulations, Eric. You're going to see Dennis Miller at Spearmount Casino uh, next Friday the 12th. Uh, we got more uh, tickets for that uh, tomorrow, Friday, and then next week we'll go. Uh, we'll do passes for uh, next Saturday. All right, for tomorrow, here's what you must do. Uh, again, by 2.45 tomorrow, you must email or call with this. And this is genius, by the way. You must come up with the punch or with the uh, punchline, and it must be your own. It must be original. We can't be able to find it on Google. You must end the famous breakfast uh, club joke. And I will post it on my blog. The joke is... <clears throat> A naked blonde walks into a bar with a poodle under one arm and a two-foot salami under the other. She lays the poodle on the table. The bartender says, I suppose you won't be needing a drink. The naked lady says, blank. 
I will post that text on my blog on rickemerson.com eh, and all that eh, by 2:45 tomorrow. This will be fulfilling like tomorrow. something in your head for you too, because I've always wondered that too. Checking it off the list. Eh, so you must come up with your own punchline to the famous Breakfast Club joke. It must be your own creation. Eh, that is for a pair of passes to see Dennis Miller, Spirit Mountain Casino, uh, next Friday. All right, let's try to get the. See if we can do these for the top of the hour. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick. What happened to uh, Vanilla Ice on the uh, top five? I believe Ice Ice Baby was a B-side. That's a lie. Really? I promise. I think the uh, A-side was the play that funky music. Oh, I suck. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. Also, I forgot Beth, which is the flip side of Detroit Rock City. Also, a quick uh, observation. Uh, Sora Birch. Yeah. Um, she's in that Limp Biscuit video, Eat You Alive. Uh, Looking fine. She's got blonde hair and she's tied up. <laughs> okay. I'm all over that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Do we have time for one more? Sure. All right, final call of the day. Don't suck. Don't suck. Okay. I got a great story about that uh, Righteous Brothers song. Oh, oh no, no. We have no time. No. Call me tomorrow. All right. Well, at least we got the Thor Birch business. All right. We want to thank senior radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Steve Katzman. I'm Rick Emerson, show producer today. Never David, the lovely and talented Sarah Stone for AM970, the talker. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. In the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper. Dave's in the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Director of engineering, Brian Jones. Uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donat. With me, Reynolds. Like us next. See you tomorrow at 10. I regret nothing. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.